Listening to the Quarter to Three Movie Podcast for X Men, or excuse me, X Men: Days of Future Past. <laughs> My name is Tom Chick, and I am here to discuss X Men: Days of Future Past with Christian McCrawls, McCrawls, That's not my name. <laughs> and it's with Lutz. An X- oh. With an X Men: Days of Future Past, I, I did think Channing Tatum was going to be in this. I'm really disappointed. Um, with an X-Men Days of Future Past tagline, Kelly Wand. You know what I say when it's Frank Miller time? <laughs> yeah, I didn't work on X-Men. But. Uh, at that, so Kelly Wand doing a line from um, uh, Big Trouble in Little China, from the scintillating dialogue in Big Trouble in Little China. Kelly Wand, do the scene with me right now. I'll start it off. Fuck. Can I ask you a serious question? Absolutely not. Well, then would you ever consider just jumping right in the sack with a guy like me who is... Oh, my God, you've already blown it. You have to cut him off. What are you supposed to cut it off, Kelly Wan. Oh, Kelly Wan, I sentence you to go back... I want to talk to someone in your condition. Sorry, go back, rewatch Big Trouble in Little China four times, and let me know when you're ready to do the scene again. Let's talk about my condition. (laughs) Sorry, no. you got to get the lines in the right place. You know what I say. (laughs) You know what? Wait, I forget the line. How does she say Miller time? Uh, she's, it's kind of like she had, does she have a piece of paper? Like she's holding the picture of the Asian woman she's going to meet. Doesn't she tap him on the like chest with it or something? I don't remember, but she does a little Kim Cattrallism. That's adorable. I think. Kelly, want to go back and watch it and report back to us. Uh, I can't remember. I I really did think Channing Tatum was going to be in this, by the way. Why? In Days of Future Past? Really? Yeah. Yes. Didn't that that like a news thing that he's playing Gambit? The whole time I'm sitting there (laughs) watching thinking Channing Tatum was going to be in this. They would announce that right before the movie comes out, like a week or a week before the movie. He's in it several times, but you wouldn't know because they just, like, flash backwards. So you don't know. Are you serious? No. Oh. Well, what Uh, you guys did here, Channing Tatum is supposed to be Gambit in the new X-Men movie. I heard that. I totally sat there watching this movie, waiting for Channing Tatum to show up as Gambit. Because Gambit is kind of, I don't know if you guys know much about the comics, but he's kind of a joke <laughs> in the X-Men comics. Yeah, uh, even at work, they're like, oh, great, yeah. Right. So yeah. I really thought Channing Tatum was going to be in this, uh, just like I thought Gina Carano was going to be in Sabotage, and just like I thought um, Michelle Yeoh was going to be in Captain America Winter Soldier. So the last <laughs> few months... That's the weirdest one of all of them, I think. I don't know. Yeah, I, it's just been disappointment after disappointment as far as me waiting for celebrities to show up who don't show up. Wait, you know, do, do you, you know who plays... You know who plays Gambit, actually, though, right? How does someone play Gambit? I didn't even know he's been in any of the movies. <laughs> yeah, he's been. He was in X Men Origins. Uh, the X Men Origins. Know which one that is? Which one is that? Uh, I'm sorry. X Men Origins: Colin Wolverine, uh, directed by Gavin Hood. Did, did oh. This, do you know who played uh, Gambit? Oh, in that's that? the one I can see. Well, wait, yeah, because I've never seen that as well. That's the one yeah. with Ryan Reynolds as Deadpool. And there's a different saber tooth from the first X Men movie. Right. So who is Gambit in that, Dingus? Taylor Kitsch. Oh, wait, now I want to see it. You're making it so interesting. <laughs> you know, I kind of do, too. It's actually, I, I actually like it. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry Taylor to say, because Ryan Reynolds is so good. Um, I just like that guy so much. And then they, they make the fatal mistake of uh, of 
like sewing his mouth shut. <laughs> Come on. I want to hear that guy talk. Sewing his mouth shut. Ryan Reynolds. Huh? So Ryan, what do you, Kelly Wan, do you know what Dingus is talking about? No, I got, I was, I was fascinated and now I'm totally. It, it's basically the same, uh, it's, a, it's the same idea as what goes on in this movie, but it's like. Who's Ryan Reynolds in Wolverine? He's Deadpool. Yeah, he's Deadpool, and he's got these, he's got these great lines, and he's like super. He's like deflecting bullets with his. Wait, uh, they literally sew his mouth shut. Are you just talking about figuratively, like with bad dialogue? No, 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 no. They literally because uh, they, <laughs> that's not a they, phrase, Tom. The, the idea is that they that uh, that Stryker makes uh, combines all of the X Men into one dude who's super X Men, and. And they sew his mouth shut, and he can do anything any X Man can do, and that's that's. I mean, Why the it, mouth it's thing? been years since I saw that. That's, that's a backbone thing, I would think. <laughs> you wouldn't get that, but they should sew his eyes shut if he has Cyclops' power. Well, he can do Cyclops stuff. He can do anything any of them can do. And this movie sounds do awesome. It, he can do it on uh, top of a nuclear reactor, no less. Do what? Look at Dingus making us want to see X-Men Origins. Yeah, see, this is what you usually do. He's actually taking a page from your plate. <laughs> so anyway, all I'm, all I'm telling you is that Gambit is played by Taylor Kitchen. That's the most see, exciting. Dingus, no, no, you, Dingus, you might think that's a joke because you haven't seen Lone Survivor yet. Once you once you jokers see Lone Survivor, and I don't necessarily recommend the experience, but once you do that, you're going to be deprived of your Taylor Kitsch disdain. I'm sorry to tell you that, but you will lose it. I don't think I dislike Kayla, like, what's his name? Kayla. You can't get his name right. But, Taylor like, Kitch. Helen Lutz is an idiot, but Taylor Kitsch just made two movies that I both, I thought both of them were really stupid movies, but I can't, I don't know that I disliked him. Mm, I disliked him until I saw Lone Survivor, yeah. I never I did the Friday that. Night Lights thing, though, so I don't have that either. All right, well, Dingus, we did not see uh, Battleship, John Carter of Mars. We did not see X-Men Origins this week. Why don't you tell the listeners what it was that we did see. John Carter of Mars. Uh, this week we saw X-Men colon Days of Future Past. Mm-hmm. A 2014... Oh, wait, wait. Oh, hold on. Let me back up. Yes, Kelly? Tom, I saw wrong cops this week. I know. You told me. <laughs> All right. You want to I was say very that. glad to hear that. Uh, do you recommend it to the listeners? Yeah, it's really good. Okay, now here's a more difficult question, Kelly Wand. Do you recommend it to Dingus? Yeah. Okay. It's really unpredictable. Like, you think, Dingus will think he knows where it's going, and then... Okay, uh, so I'll give up 20 minutes in and then rewatch it. Uh, you did that with, uh, Silver Linings Playbook. Right. Uh, Wrong Cops is, uh, Quentin Depew. It's the fellow who did Rubber. Uh, and then he did a terrible movie called Wrong, and then he did Wrong Cops, which is not related to Wrong, uh, which I, I love Wrong Cops. I don't... I think it's an odd movie, and Kelly Wan is one of the few people to whom I would unreservedly recommend it. Yeah. Still on the sense with whether or not uh, Dingus would appreciate it. All the way to the end, I liked it. Like, Yeah. And yeah. I've actually seen it a couple of times. Like, It's a really good – to just yeah. put it on in the background and have it going when you're doing something else. I love that movie. It looks fantastic. It's about L.A., too. Really it's very about so, – Everybody's yeah. out for a buck and stupid. And like That seems to be yep. – And a lot of crazy, absurd stuff. All right, so ringing endorsements for Wrong Cops yes. from me and Kelly Wand. Dingus hasn't seen it yet. I want him to, and I want his review. I do, too. Uh, give Dingus one line from the movie, Kelly Wand. Uh, you should write a book about your theory. There's <laughs> <laughs> so many good lines in it. I know, right. Exactly. Who's your fan? I don't want to spoil it. But- all, all you have to do is is have Kelly Wand say a line, and then he can't get through it without laughing. 
that's that's all you got to say. I do that every time. No, no, no. Usually you say a line, uh, blah, 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 and then you go, <laughs> and but this time, if you say a line and you can't get through it without laughing before the end of the line, that's all I need to hear. Yeah. It never let me down. I It's a listener right. said it's better than rubber, and I kind of, I think I liked it more than rubber. Uh, nothing, wow. Nothing's better than rubber. Rubber? Ah, rubber's really good, but wrong cops... At points of rubber, I was like, eh, "This part should be over by now." Mm-hmm. Occasionally, well, there you know. there is no reason for that, though. But in wrong cops, now I think by the end I was starting to. I felt like it hadn't. It wasn't about the tire as much as it should have been. <laughs> All right, yeah, so this is- were third wheels, you might say. <laughs> All right, so once again, this week we saw X Dash Men colon Days of Future Past. A 2014 American action adventure fantasy superhero comic book movie. Mm. Oh, no, sorry. Uh, Sequel slash prequel movie. Reboot. About the origin of Kyle Reese. It was... (laughs) I get it. I like it. I get it, but please. Approved. It was... Jokes approved. It was directed by Brian Singer mm. and written by Simon Kinberg, uh. with story credit to him and Jane Goldman and Matthew Vaughn. It mm. stars Evan Peters. <laughs> Listen to Dingus. Hasn't even seen American Horror Story, and he's calling out Evan Peters. He's on something else, Dingus, right now. Uh, he's the kid. He, wasn't he the little fat kid in Kick-Ass? Yep. Yeah, the sort of the sidekick who's supposed to be kind of tubby. Yeah, but he's very different in American Horror Story. But uh, all right, Dingus, fair enough. Call he was on that. a TV series before that. But well, of course, he's a TV actor, Kelly Warren. Yeah, harumph. <laughs> it also stars Bing Bing Fan. Yes, Kelly Warren. Go on. Book movie. Oh, BB Fan. The. Uh, uh, X Men: Days of Future Past. It is rated PG-13 for sequences of intense sci-fi violence and action, some suggestive material, nudity, Wolverine butt, yeah, Uh, and that was a good one, language. No smoking, though. Thank God. We dodged that one. No smoking in this movie. Even no. though it's said in 1973, nobody's smoking. Oh, wait a minute. He lights no, a cigar. He, is, he does smoke. He lights up his cigar. Yeah, but it's a cigar you don't inhale, so it's okay. After he That's such a stupid magneto to pick all this shit up. He lights up. Yeah, on an airplane, too. You could even smoke on airplanes back in 1973. Seriously, he doesn't have to, uh, you know... Disable or... Anything. Go ahead, give us a non-stop reference, Dingus. I know you want to. Go ahead. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> they should just make characters that aren't sympathetic or that kids won't like smoke. Like the villains or something. Or would that just make the kids want to be the villains? Because well, on what kind of kid it is, Kelly Wand. I guess that's like what it Chunk. comes down to. Chunk wouldn't smoke if uh, Lex Luthor did. A Goonies reference? I don't know what you're on about. Chunk okay. wouldn't smoke. Chunk uh, smoke. That was the original thing from Apocalypse Now. <laughs> wow. Uh, good pull. Um, I give it a Not six. Good. High six. You can't dance to it. I give it a Rocky six. Speaking of Rocky sixes, X Men: Days of Future Past on Metacritic, which is the average of, of ratings from various reviews, is at seventy four. Oh. 
It's such a Rocky Six, it got slightly bounced into the 70s. I blame Spider-Man for this, because it's like everyone just went, oh, at least it's better than that shit. Well, on Rotten Tomatoes, which is the average of reviews that are positive, X-Men, Days of Future Past, nine, 91% of the reviews are... Uh, 91 Wait, is awesome. Holy cats, 91? Yeah, that's higher than birth. Well, who's going to dislike an X-Men movie? That's a good point. Uh, this, isn't uh, this like the highest rated <laughs> X-Men movie of all time? Highest rated? What? No, no please. Oh, yes, please. Don't bring your... The rest were just PG? Gotcha. Uh, at the box office, though, it is not the highest rated uh, <laughs> X-Men. Uh, it made $90 million on its opening weekend, so it couldn't quite live up to various other superhero movies this, this year, such as Captain America 2 and Spider-Man 2. Didn't quite reach those levels of box office performance, huh. um, but it's, so it's well, more critically acclaimed than financially. Sure. Uh, well, I, I don't know. Is that, well, I don't know the takeaway of all this. It's so confusing. Takeaway of all this is that, it, is that it's the number one movie in America this weekend. Yeah, but it, what gets is that, we oh, have to see it. The takeaway, Kelly Wand, is that more people went to see X Men than Blended. Uh, what's Blended? It's Adam Sandler and Drew Barrymore going to Africa. Yeah, and having cute yes. little kids run around with them. Stylywags. Uh, is it a sequel to Fifty First Dates? Um, in terms, of, you could think of it that way. Sure. Uh, you know what? I haven't seen it. I don't know the first thing about it. Are you? Do you think that I went to see X Men and then I went snuck into a theater to see Blended Kelly Wand? Oh, what are you taking it for? Well, you like oh Paul Thomas Anderson, Adam Sandler. Maybe I was so discouraged that Channing Tatum wasn't playing Gambit in this that I just left the theater and went home. I did not want to. I I was didn't have it in me to be disappointed. Second, you found that out in the opening credits. Did you go up to the theater manager and say, hey, where's my Channing Tatum? I did run someone out of the theater. All right. <laughs> what? Brief Hold story. On. I'm what? ready. I'm okay. Ready. So there is a woman uh, at the theater with a small child. The child oh. is maybe six years old. Oh. Uh, the woman's his mother. Uh, and the child is very talkative. Actually, I don't know if she's his mother. I'm assuming the child is very talkative during the trailers, and that's fine. He has a lot of questions that he needs oh, answered boy. about movies like Let's Be Cops. You know, he's not quite appreciating what he's seeing on the screen, so he forwards queries to his mother, and she answers them. What was her quite? Well, wait, wait. You just glossed over good parts. I, was, I, couldn't do it. I was see enjoying the trailer, Kelly Wand. No, we'll right. see. I'm, what, uh, let me just interject here. <laughs> yes. In in my theater. Every single trailer was sex movies. It's just like, uh, oh, it's, it's, we, we made a sex tape and sex, sex, uh, yeah, sex, one. and we yeah. had sex and secondy sex. I'm like, I'm, it's a comic book movie that I'm taking my kid to. It's PG-13. It's PG-13. If you want your child, if you want to take your child to PG-rated movies, Million Dollar Arm opened this week. Uh, you could have seen that instead. You wouldn't have seen any trailers for sex tapes before Million Dollar Arm. That's a good point. Yeah. But that's just about the two, a couple, it's not about the sex, it's about them trying to destroy the internet. It doesn't matter what sex. it's about, you're sitting so there okay. in your, with, next to your nine-year-old, and it's like, we had sex for three hours, sex, sex, sex. Wait a minute, hold on, sex, sex. wait a minute, you're complaining about what your nine-year-old is seeing in a rated PG-13 movie, yeah, where you have similarly complained about children below the age of 17 being brought into R-rated movies. I think it's, that is on you. All right, I agree, that is on me, <laughs> I am a total hypocrite. Now, wait a minute. Did your son have any questions about sex tape? Like, who's Cameron Diaz? What else has, has uh, Jason Cecil been in? Like, no, what? He, he can't, he, all, all he's waiting is for the movie to start. Luckily, so we're at an arc light, so it's three previews, and then he gets to see Sunspot. 
That's all he cares about. When am I going to get to see Sunspot and Blink and all the Sunspot. characters he wants what? to see? Oh. Those t- titles. Sound so, those are big. those are X Men. He he just can't wait to see all the X Men. Oh, oh. He, he doesn't care about it. I'm just I'm just cringing because I've got Jason Siegel constantly going, "Hey, we had sex for three hours." Blah, blah, blah. Oh, your kid's not gonna care. Anyway, Tom is <laughs> in a movie. And I do think that's funny. I do think Dingus cares more about the sex yeah, trailer yeah. than Dingus' son. Yeah. <laughs> You're like the, the, uh, I just don't understand who's the homophobe. Why before the X-Man movie, you're putting, there's at least two, like, sex, 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 sex trailers going up. Why, why not but put something, like why not put Tom Cruise live, die, repeat up? Because yeah. those, the people seeing X-Men are already going to see that thing. Yeah. They need to be exposed to other forms of entertainment. They need to know that there's a variety. There are other things than action and superhero movies to see, such as, hey, uh, this slightly raunchy romantic comedy. Why don't you consider this when you're going yeah, to the movie? Like a re- the movie's okay. not a sex tape. So that's how they do trailers. It's before the movie you're going to see. We also want you to consider this. Uh, it's a TV show about a private investigator who is a mentalist. Wait, what? Wait, what? That was, they showed that. that no! Oh. You show that. So, Dingus, they do show that stuff before the trailers. Because I was at the Arclight, they don't. But you go to some of the bigger chains, and they're running those horrible advertisements. And that's a lot of TV stuff. I had to sit through way more information than I wanted to know about Michael Bay's The Last Ship before X-Men. Uh, <laughs> also, some... Yeah. Yeah, like, you, yeah. Get, you get those things running, oh, and they're insufferable. Yeah. At any rate, so this child needed to be have things about, let's be cops, the trailer explained to him. That's fine, whatever. The movie starts. He has... He, he's forwarding several, several queries during the movie to his mother about what's going on in X-Men, Days of Future Past. Ugh. I put up with a lot of this, and it, it, it wasn't until... It wasn't until the scene with... Uh, Old old Charles Xavier, or no, Charles Xavier talking to young Charles Xavier. I mean, it was that late in the movie. Wow. James McAvoy and Patrick Stewart uh, having a conversation with each other. And I finally turned around because it's very quiet in the theater at this point. If the kid wants to ask questions while Dodger Stadium or whatever is being dropped in the White House, he can have at it. But <laughs> during a quiet moment like this, I finally turned around and I did my, my standard thing. Oh, I, shit. I was like, ma'am, uh, it's very distracting when your child talks. Could you please ask him not to? And it, that, it was that simple, you know, and I looked at her and I, you know, I, I said that and I, I didn't make it a snippy and then look away. I just looked at her and she kind of looked at me and she didn't say anything. So I turned back around and thought, well, we'll, we'll see what happens within five minutes. And I didn't I didn't expect this to happen. She got up and walked out of the theater with her son. Mission accomplished. No, I felt like a jerk. I was like, well, actually, I was, they didn't talk. And I was like, well, wait a minute. Why don't you just ask him not to talk rather than depriving him? I don't That's know if he was bored and wanted her. to leave. But for whatever reason, this kid didn't get to see the purple robot scene uh, in, in the X-Men movie. Well, I have to tell you that, that I saw it, at least two people walking out. Because the sex tape? No, no, no. Shortly, uh, shortly after that time, too. I mean. Oh. There were people walking so, out at that point. Like this dream sequence. I don't want to see both the Professor X's talking. Like with bored children, or they was it was uh, it walking out like they would walk out of Under the Skin? I don't know. I no, no, not under, uh, not in Under the Skin or or uh, or Phase Seven kind of a thing. Where, but um, there, there was a crying baby behind me, and a bin, and they. But that wasn't it. It was just that God. there there Nightmare. were people who walked out later in the in the movie who were like, yeah, I'm gonna get. But I'm going to get out of this, or I don't know. I saw a lot of people walking out, I, but not not 
Not like walking out like, uh, oh, I'm walking off in a huff, just, okay, we're, yeah, we're ready to go kind of a thing. I don't I've seen know. enough X-Men. They, for... they were actually there just to kill time before Blended started. So. Ah, that's a good point. Or maybe they wanted okay. to make sure they could get back for the, the, uh, the, the bumper thing, at the, 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 uh, the Easter egg at the end. <laughs> Was there one? Because as I left, there were people, you know, when you're leaving a crowded theater, and it was a crowded theater, uh, it's it's a flow of people going in one direction. And as I was getting to the exit of the theater, the flow was definitely jammed up because some people were trying to get back into the theater. It was a bunch of teenagers, and one of the teenagers was saying to the other ones, oh, yeah, I forgot that they do that at the end of the credits, don't they? So so he was uh, being dragged in by his friends back into the theater to, to sit and wait for whatever. So was there something – because I didn't stay for it. Yeah. Was there something – yeah, uh, well, it, at the arc light there were two. What? What? what did I miss? What's the other one? Uh, well, yeah, the, well, but it was, well, no, no. At the, at the arc light there was. At the, I don't know what they're doing, and this might be a new thing. Uh, but it was like watching a DVD extra because it was somebody interviewing the guy because the guy who did the editing of this movie also did the composer. The, compo- the composer also was the editor. So, so they did this weird, uh, they, they did this weird, um, interview that, like a guy sitting down while everybody's trying to leave, but they didn't, they didn't raise the light. So it's, it's totally dark. <laughs> Everybody has watched the, <laughs> the, the final thing at the end and everybody's trying to leave, but it's still totally dark and people are trying to walk out. And there's this interview thing with the guy who did the editing and he, he, I guess they think it's interesting that he also did the uh, the composing for the movie at the same time, and he's done this on a lot of uh, on a lot of on a lot of movies for Brian Singer. So huh. so okay. it's just a guy sitting there and, and a guy doing one of these like e movie entertainment. Like, what is it like to be the editor and the composer? Right. Oh, yeah, that that I don't yes. care about. What was the actual story thing that I missed? The the story thing that you missed is I, I don't know what it is. And my kid is like, oh, that's so and so. I mean, he was just like, oh, that's apocalypse. It's it's uh-huh. uh, it's an Egyptian scene. It's it's this. It's all of these pyra- It's all of these pyramids being or a pyramid being constructed by this this figure who's standing there on a dune, and he's it, it looks like a giant Tetris in in the desert. That's that's what the end thing is. That's to suck Tom in. What is that? What was it? Uh, who knows? It's that was their button. All right. Well, sorry I missed that. Apocalypse <laughs> and his four horsemen. Yeah. Huh. All right. Well, let's get into this movie. Uh, wait, wait. I just want to say, yes, uh, after the kid left, everybody booed and threw shit at you, and then you went, "They're booing the kid." <laughs> Well, the thing is, uh, also, because it was tightly packed, I mean, they were sitting, the kid was directly next to someone else, there were like no empty seats between people, and uh, you could definitely see other people like rolling their eyes and sighing because the kid was talking. I was the one who finally said something, but everyone else was really annoyed at this kid, like in in earshot of him. And Uh, no one did anything but you, you were the... And it was that late in the movie, too, I couldn't believe it, yeah. So, let's check. So if that kid is listening, I'm sorry I made you miss the end of the movie. I'm sure he's listening, and his mom is going, who's the Tom? And he's like, shh. <laughs> All right, so uh, let's get into this. So, uh, Dingus, first tell us what your th- your son thought of X-Men, Days of Future Past. Have we even done the synopsis yet? Oh, jeez, Pete. Kelly Wand. <laughs> How could I forget that? Kelly Wand, did we miss something? 
Well, <laughs> yeah. But Kelly Rod, going into the Easter eggs before the episode. <laughs> Sorry about that, Kelly Rod. Let's. I, I'm a little confused about some of the things that happened in the in the maybe, movie. Maybe about Simon Kinberg wrote it. So, uh, well, maybe about how coherent it was. Well, maybe you could explain some of the events by maybe just piecing them together in a synopsis of your in your own words, so that I might understand the movie a little bit more closely. Kelly Wan, could you give us a synopsis of X-Men Days of Future Past? And if you were to do it, what would it be called? Any series? Like the X-Men Days of Futuropsis. That's all I got. X-Menopsis. So I'm not the only one. So did, uh, Hugh Jackman did call him the X-Men, by the way, right? I'm not the only one. Said that. Watchmen. Said that. It's not Watchmen. Okay. It's X-Men. All right, the X-Men. Uh, so the X-Menopsis. The Avengers is also hey, say the other one, by the way. Did you know that? I didn't, but I'm glad to know that now so that I don't embarrass myself at a party. <laughs> they're, bo- they're cheering me, guys. JK, you didn't say that as a party that I've been at. Okay, X-Men no days. one knows what you're t- – oh, yeah, sorry, go ahead. I interrupted to tell you that it's no one what you were referencing. I don't know what I'm referencing. I don't think any of that happened. Um, X-Men Days of Future Papsis? All right. Rock and roll. I want you to drive it like you stole it, Kelly Wand. Or like yeah, I changed into uh, Jennifer Lawrence. It. That's not part of it. That's just a freebie. All right. Good. Making me look for it's a little sign of things to come, isn't it? Mm, probably, unfortunately, yes. X-Men Days of Future Papsis. I'm one of the actors. Wait. <laughs> I know that bodes ill. <laughs> Hello, I'm Patrick Stewart. I'm one of the actors who plays Professor X in the film some of you are about to walk out of in the future because a dwarf was shot by a blue woman in white teeth. So fucking... Yeah, do it. Acting so hard. In the future, because a dwarf was shot by a blue woman in 1973, the sun is gone. Everyone wears laser headbands in the subway. Three ways are made out of skulls. Much like in Terminator, and the director's cut back to the future, too. But with a bluer filter than Terminator. Although Femke Janssen killed me in X-Men 3, and in the Easter egg, I was either possessing or had been reincarnated as a creepy child. That film is no longer canon, except for the flashbacks of Wolverine killing her slightly later by using his metal claws to beat telekinesis. Stryker, the Vietnam man who gives Wolverine an adamantium skeleton, is also in this film. (laughs) The Vietnam man? That's what Patrick Stewart calls him, right? <laughs> Can't speak for him. He's psychic. Uh, we see he's in a garage in the Himalayas, uh, telling all this to a cardboard box. He looks at us, clears his throat, and walks over to where Ellen Page and Gandalf are watching Wolverine yawn. <laughs> Tom's cat. It is my character's sudden belief, now that we've lost 99% of everybody, that our only solution is to send our smartest member and best talker, Wolverine, back in time to tell the blue woman not to shoot that man. (laughs) The stakes have never been higher. It's a conversation. Charles, I need to be there too. That's Magneto. That's my Ian McKellen. He's British. 
unlike Patrick Stewart. Uh, Charles? <laughs> Charles? Charles, I killed JFK, by the way. And somehow got my powers back after losing them in X-Men 3. Thank you, Michael. Yes. Magneto has to be there. <laughs> Realize that we're over 7. You not fucking shit up. But according to what you just said, we have no choice. Bolty sticks her fingers up Wolverine and goes, Okay, like I said, I've never done this before, and I'm not a physicist. I think my only superpower is walking through walls, actually. But as long as I keep sitting here touching your head for the next two weeks, your brain will go back in time. Should we strap him down, maybe? Or at least the claws? Meh, fuck it. Anyway, so yeah, I'll just never move from this position while 30 weeks pass. <laughs> 1973. Why did they do that before? I'm just... Never mind. And only Wolverine will remember anything that happens in this movie. I already know that that's true. Except for Professor X, maybe, at the end. He knows. Sidebar. I read last year that China banned time travel. Hope you like old boy hotel rooms, tachyons! Yeah, here we go. Well, it's pretty Asian light, I guess I have to... Okay. No, with Wolverine's all, here I am in 1973. Hey, where's McAvoy's love interest, Rose Byrne? Oh, yeah, neighbors. A bunch of goombas <laughs> with guns around. <laughs> See, because he remembers the future. A bunch of goombas with guns running and go, Hey, we paid you to have sex with the boss's wife, not sleep with her. Wolverine's all, I didn't sleep with her. I slept in her. Speaking of bones popping out. Oh, jeez. Boom. Take that, nine-year-old tachyons. He kills them off screen while we watch a kid watch the news. I got a lot of blowback from God, people uh, not liking Godzilla, by the way. Is that weird? Blowback's not a porn term, Dingus. That's not, oh, how, yeah. that's not how bones blow black. Wolverine's job is to find Mystique, although since they know where she's going to shoot Tyrion, it'd probably save time just to camp that spot. It's weird how little... No one gets time travel, Tom. I don't think anyone gets it. Lost didn't get it. She used to be called Raven because Ravens are blue, but now she's called Mystique because the word Mystique is synonymous with evil. Professor X is depressed because he can walk again. <laughs> Did that part make sense to you guys? <laughs> we, we're just supposed to take that grad. Okay, no school. Got it. <laughs> he can walk, so. <laughs> he gets this ability from injecting drugs that suppress paralysis. You know, in 73, they had that. If only he had it. He didn't mention that. The downside is that they also get rid of the voices in his head, driving him crazy. So it's a twofer. It helps him walk and makes him saner. He hates it. It suppresses him. Although being able to walk is now his only superpower, they decide to bring him along. Since Gandalf mumbled shit, they also decide they need to bust Fassbender out of supervillain prison. They didn't know where he was, I thought, too. 
Um, since it's deep underground, they bring along a teenager who can run super fast. Because <laughs> it's underground. they got to bring the fast runner. <laughs> they don't bring tape. Oh, yeah, they do bring the tape. That part makes sense. The teenager's mom saw, Good luck breaking into the Pentagon, honey. Here's your lunch. Meanwhile, Mystique breaks into Tyrion's garage and finds a secret museum with comic book Easter egg exhibits under glass. Doc Ock's penis, Dazzler's light bulb, the dude from Operations, rubber band, Ronald McDonald's severed head. Although this seems like a cool place to ambush Tyrion, Mystique bails without doing anything because an elderly secretary walks in with a folder and turning back into Tyrion is too time-consuming and difficult to do twice a night. But then she does it. Although it's too dark for the secretary to see Tyrion's face, the secretary's all, Are you crying? He's all, Yes. Then he looks at us and exhales and goes, That was a close one. <clears throat> I nudge the nine-year-old sitting next to me, Tom, mm-hmm. who's explaining the movie's plot holes to his dad, and I stage whisper, I guess Grimace is the nightcrawler of the McDonald's universe. And Hamburglar's Loki. When he ignores me, I stumble heroically to my feet and start looking for a better listener. They find a kitchen with a bunch of guards in it and start arguing about nothing until the guards get fed up and shoot them. But luckily, Quicksilver's listening to music and makes all the guards kill themselves or watch the news. Wolverine's all, nice work, kid. Quicksilver looks at us and goes, Guess since my skills been being used to you guys and stopping a shooting or anything, bye. See you guys in Avengers 2 a little bit before I somebody else. <laughs> they buy a plane Magneto's all Ah, oh, the perfect place for a chess game Turbulence <laughs> That's Fassbender, by the way Not Ian McKellen Tom, I know time travel's pretty bewildering <laughs> Professor X is all I don't play chess with people who kill the president Magneto's all What are you talking about, Charles? He <laughs> <Jay McKay> was... <laughs> See, he turns into uh, Ian McKellen because of time travel. Oh, it's a paradox. I was trying to save him by moving the bullet through his organs instead of just his head. I probably should have mentioned this at the trial, actually. I guess bullet-wise, if you count the bullet that crippled you at the end of the last movie, I'm over for 2. But I'm optimistic about this upcoming mystique shootout. <laughs> the plane starts diving. <laughs> Plane starts diving because Magneto gets upset over Professor X not playing chess with him. This makes Wolverine panic when the plane starts diving, like Mr. T in the A team. <laughs> Does it even just go, Nyar! Uh, despite the advantages of his healing factor and what we're told was a brain destroying trip through time. Meanwhile, a guy in Vietnam's all, Why you have blue skin and no nipples in my hotel room, why, man? <laughs> he's, he's still saying white man, even though it's a blue woman. Thing. It's, it's really weird. Stupid yeah. Vietnamese. Back at the French UN in Vietnam, Tyrion's mutant detection toy goes off and starts getting louder when he aims it at the 40 people sitting at the table in front of him. They all look at the Asian guy. He's all, uh, and then turns into Mystique. <laughs> That's his plan. 
Does she even know what she's doing? Never mind. Everybody draws guns and aims them at her, but instead of shooting her, they just stand there and wait for her to disarm them with her feet. I hate that. I hate when they do that shit. To pacify Wolverine, Professor X is all, don't worry, you're on acid, not a time traveler. The X-Men execute their plan of showing up and going, no! Somehow... Even a shootout in a crowded conference room between three different factions of mutants and a shitload of soldiers ends with nobody dying or anything happening. We learn that President Nixon somehow had no idea that mutants existed, even though the U.S. shot nuclear missiles in 1962 at them in the last movie, and the one they suspect killed JFK has been in prison for a decade under the Pentagon, but is now at large. But he doesn't know about that. Magneto puts railroad tracks into a boxcar full of sentinels to make them want to kill humans. That's kind of a twist, I thought. I, the movie <laughs> acted like... Never mind. Then he changes his mind and decides the best way to kill a dwarf is to levitate a wooden football stadium and drop it in a circle around him. Ever since Prometheus, circles confuse filmmakers. <laughs> <laughs> like something without a hollow center would have... For some reason, Nixon and George C. Scott and Tyrion all try to hide from Magneto in a metal bank vault. Mystique shoots Magneto through the throat, but he doesn't lose the power of speech. Just interest. Beast injects... God. Beast injects himself with ten needles, (laughs) then sits on top of the concrete, crushing Professor X. Nothing. 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 What the fuck was that shit? That's a 91? Tomatoes? The beast payoff? Professor X is all. Mystique, don't shoot Tyrion. Once you've done so, there's no going back. Unless we use time travel again. We can show these government officials a different path by leaving them with the already hundreds of billions in property damage and thousands dead and hoping that Tyrion's character gets busted for selling state secrets. Actually, maybe simply exposing that would have been less hassle. But don't worry, the continuum will correct itself by making him misfile paperwork. Have a little faith in investigative reporting and President Nixon here, working together in 1973. (laughs) Kidberg really captured that that time. My point is, we're victimized freaks, not angry ones, except for Wolverine. Good luck. Kelly Wanzall. Uh, hey, Mystique, uh, the Sentinels of Tyrion have just been hugely discredited thanks to Magneto taking them over, so... I guess shooting him at this point is kind of irrelevant. Mystique cries and everybody leaves, including everybody in the future. This also keeps Jean Grey from turning into Phoenix, and everything we saw in the first X-Men trilogy is now a dream, although we don't get our ticket money back. The headlines all, Sentinels, Magneto, and Joffrey, Saviors of City. Congressman Dinklage arrested for not getting shot. The end. Thank you, Kelly Wand. That was a fantastic Ian McKellen. That was great. That was my fast bender. It's a little of both. I don't recall hearing it. I don't recall that from uh, the Prometheus or Hobbit uh, synopsis. You say it, you call it Prometheus, like professional. X-Men. 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 Prometheus. High fidelity. All right, Dingus, what did your son think of this movie, X-Men Days of Future Past? 
All right, about two-thirds of the way through this, he leaned over to me as we're watching it, and he said, I hate this movie so much. Yeah. Why did he hate it? What was your son's problem with X-Men Days of Future Past? Uh, he thinks that there's nothing good in it except Quicksilver, and yes. he hates the fact that Quicksilver isn't in it more. Yes. Um, but in the middle of the movie, and he never does this really, uh, you know, at the end of... X Men uh, at the end of Iron Man three, he was really upset at what happened. But but I'll see blown up. Two thirds of the way through this movie, he just leaned over to me and said, "I hate this so much." And I, had to, yeah. and I had to say to him, "I I'm I'm with you, buddy." And uh, and he said, and later on he said, "Why isn't there more Quicksilver?" And um, we got to the end, and he was just he's just. And this is a terrible movie. So that's my nine-year-old thinks it's a terrible movie. He was so looking forward to it, and he could not wait to see it. He was talking about all the characters who were going to be in it, like Sunspot and Blink. And I mean, he, every time he would figure out a new uh, character was going to be in it, he's throwing them out at me because he draws them. He talks about them constantly. And in this movie, they're just like fodder for like. Uh, some sort of half second a particle routine. Yeah, so it's just uh, like a particle routine that doesn't even matter. And Storm dies, and who cares? Doesn't matter because it's all time travel. So who cares? Right. There's no stakes. That's... We're gonna make you feel something, and then, but it doesn't really matter. We're gonna make, we're gonna force you to feel it, but then we're gonna remind you that it doesn't matter because we're just gonna bring them back. But, but really, it was literally like, I don't. Two thirds might be too late in the movie, but at some point, he just leaned over and said, "I hate this movie." And what did his father think of it? His father agrees with him. I hated this so much. Wow. <laughs> did Kiernan read Days of Future Past, the actual comics? From uh, n- no, he's I, – I, I don't have I, – I have, like, some younger younger versions of uh, X-Men and Avengers comics that I'm uh, – like, like smaller, uh, smaller graphic novels that I'm – introducing him to because I'm really careful about how I'm introducing him to comics because there's so much that I think it's inappropriate. I mean, that might seem silly since I've taken him to a movie that has nudity in it. Um, Your son has seen Hugh Jackman's ass. but it, Well, it's a mutant's ass, so it's not like a real human. That's a good point. Uh, uh, but with reading, with, with, with the reading material and with comics, because it's going to be in the house constantly, and he's going to be. It, I just am really sensitive to how comics portrays, especially how they portray sexuality and women and all that stuff. So I'm really mm-hmm. careful about that. So he hasn't seen Days of Future Past, but there's some younger, there's some younger strains of X Men and Avengers that I've introduced him to, and he's really, he's really interested in them, and he loves the X Men so much. Uh, so this is a huge disappointment. For so Kelly Wand, as our, are you our source material expert? Can you tell I us? I am. I what, what does this have to do with the comics? What was different? Uh, and how did you feel about the movie? Uh, well, I was really invested in the source material because it was like when I first started reading comics, like X Men was definitely like it was going through this kind of platinum era where like major shit was happening constantly, like Phoenix dies right before Days of Future Past, and it's like. They go to the future, and the Sentinels have killed everybody but Wolverine and Kitty Pride, so she gets sent back in the past. What? Really? Yeah. yeah that, that, the point of this, uh, Kitty Pride is supposed to be the Wolverine character. I mean, the whole right. point of this is that Kitty Pride is supposed to send herself back, yeah. but they didn't have sort of the strength, their 
convictions to do this movie as a female protagonist. So they well, I don't. That's actually. not really fair. I mean, I think it's more the star power of Ellen Page versus Hugh Jackman. No, that, that, that's that's what I mean. I'm sorry. I don't think, right. Yeah. Yeah. Plus, I, right. I mean, it kind of makes sense, but I don't. I don't think it was. It was. I mean, that storyline took place in the '80s, like the mid '80s. Wait, the early '80s, and then. It was like right after. I think that wasn't even the first one I read. The first one I read was like f- five issues after that. Professor X marries like an alien empress. What? And they're at like the banquet. <laughs> wait, wait. I did. This isn't even the first one. And then they all get poisoned at the banquet, and then they all get face huggers put in them. And this is before aliens came out. So it was like these aliens called the Shire put all these little face hugger embryos in them. And the whole issue was like Wolverine waking up and like trying to get this shit out of his system, and he's naked, so his butt's in it. Unlike the alien ship, so I have to like get rid of it. And also, Storm got bitten by Dracula's vampire. What was going on? That's all I'm saying. So this was a whole. This wasn't just one little story. This was a whole like season or whatever you call them of comics. Days of Future Past like two issues long, and it was like a, it was when it was like Nightcrawler's in and Colossus, who was actually Pride's love interest, but but uh, the same conceit with time travel fixed the past. Yeah, but it was only worth two issues then, but. It's like they were always really eventful issues. Okay, but this is this is considered like the twenty fifth best ever X Men issue. Days of Future Past. Uh, it's like part of the John Byrne run of one thirty nine to one forty two. It just said on the cover everybody dies, and it showed a sentinel like frying, like incinerating Wolverine. And then you go, oh, I wonder what the, the catch will be in that, and then it like happens in the comic. But most, I don't think they stopped it. Uh, Tom, how much did you love this? Uh, it was fine. It was whatever. I mean, I, I, there was a, a moderate amount of energy in some of the early scenes, but it just became way too predictable. I didn't. I, part of my thinking yeah. is it's not for me. I mean, I, I think I, w- I didn't hate it, and I, I don't think I was as disappointed. I, I think it really helped me that I was dreading going to see this. I was like, oh, God, an X-Men. Because I watched – I didn't watch it, but Dingus had it on, and so I resaw part of First Class. And I got to say – I'm coming around on first class in that I think I was mistaken. When we did our first class podcast, I wasn't really into the movie. And I want to sort of step back from that opinion and say that I think I was wrong to think that first class was underwhelming. I think first class is actually flat out terrible. (laughs) I was watching. I was like, oh, my God, the dialogue in this is awful. And it's such this like fan service stuff. And I really dislike so much of first class. Um and it had scenes you liked, though. It had some scenes that I liked, but then just a lot of silliness and a lot of setup for other things. Um, just real dippy filmmaking. There's a lot of just dippy, what I would call dippy filmmaking in first class. I, 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 was, I was surprised that, you know, this is what Matthew Vaughn has come to. Um, so seeing this, at least some of the early parts, I, I was kind of enjoying. I liked some, I don't know who the chick is that opens the purple portals but i love some of those action sequences um i kind of was enjoying a little bit of seeing all these mutants that i didn't know who they were and what they were about i don't know what the guy was with the tattoo on his eye and i don't need to know that stuff it was visually arresting enough um i think it was a wise choice to have hugh jackman sort of be the perspective of the audience um, I find it intriguing, this idea that Kitty Pride goes back, and I, I kind of wish they had done something with that. But I think Hugh Jackman is appealing enough to cover up for a lot of shortcomings in a movie. Um, so I was along with it for a while, and I liked some of it, but I, I didn't hate it as much as I thought I was going to. 
it wasn't until mm. near near the end that it really started to lose me, and I was like, okay, let's let's wrap this up. I'm I'm ready to go see Blended next door or whatever. Like I, well, I was really I was really tired of it by the time it was over. But that took me about two thirds of the way through, and those two thirds, I was like, okay, this could be worse. Um, so I think part of it was an expectation thing. Um, well, I definitely wasn't expecting it to be good. And the Quicksilver scene's kind of good. The Quicksilver scene is fantastic. Yeah. Uh, no, it's fantastic. I think that that Evan Peters and uh, and his and that whole Quicksilver thing. He's the one thing that for me, um, and I didn't know this until we talked about it later with my son. I think he's the one thing that really is hugely energetic about this. And, and I know. He looks weird. He looks like kind of weird and ashen, but the way he plays the part and the way they film that whole kitchen scene, I think Quicksilver is an amazing set piece. That whole kitchen thing is awesome. Well, and even the introduction of him and how, yeah. uh, like, I, I really liked Evan Peters in this. I don't recall, you know, he's just kind of being the, the sexy, sultry sidekick in most of American Horror Story. I don't recall thinking that he was particularly watchable in that. Um, but here, he was just energetic as well, and it's like the sun. And I, you know, I even got that. I even got that yeah. reference. I don't know this stuff, but I was like, oh, okay, that's cute. Obviously, uh, uh, Ian McKellen slept around some, and no, look, he's got a son, and there's this clever little reference to it. Um, Nobody else gets to do anything fun, though. Like only the Quicksilver scene is the only time where anyone uses their powers. That I, you know, that, 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 talk. that's absolutely right. And I thought, uh, I thought that that that. that 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 and the fact that we're not going to have so many, so much Magneto helmet is why Tom would like this more. Because I, I kind of thought that this would be kind of like how you guys felt about the Wolverine thing. I thought you guys would like it more with the the retro going back to the seventies and this weird kind of stuff like that. I thought you guys would like this more. I, I I'm surprised that you guys don't like it more. Kelly, Wand, how do you explain yourself? Well, wait, we liked that. I thought. No, no, no. You, you like the Wolverine. I, I did not like it, and I. Uh, well, I, you, yeah. But I remember your reasoning. Your maybe I'm putting words in your mouth, but like was because the X Men weren't in it, and it, that felt to you like a plot. <laughs> yeah. Why right. didn't Captain America help Wolverine fight? The yeah, X-Men you really. Yeah, like the first thing. Like, Why? That doesn't make any sense. It's like, right, well, exactly. Um, yeah. yeah. I, I think what it comes down to is here they are. <laughs> here's here's what you wanted. I guess exactly, now they're all. You're exactly all, right. Uh, now how. Your complaint. What it comes down to for me is it was no TA on parts of this movie. I was so in the first movie she wore those cute little boots and stuff. She's barely in this fucking movie and she turns into other stuff. I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah. I just had to convince about. Actually, you were cutting out. So you're talking about Jennifer Lawrence? Yeah. Yeah, they don't give her. I mean, she's. Constantly... Well, that's that's a it's a it's a classic. You know, Dingus mentioned the time travel, but this whole idea of any this one character can look like anyone else. It, it's right. kind of this weird narrative shortcut to get away from interesting writing. It's kind of like doodad based. Well, yes, yeah, and, and so I, I think part of what is going on for me with a lot of these superhero movies is because I don't have – I can imagine, by the way, and I think this accounts for part of the 91% on Rotten Tomatoes um, – it's a likable enough movie, whatever, but I can imagine that somebody who's into the other X-Men movies, who's invested in the characters, who's grown up with the comic books, there's a lot of fan service here. And I think a lot of people would appreciate some of that. Um, I don't have any of that really as part of my, my upbringing is I don't really care about these superheroes. So what I need, what I look for, what ends up working for me is having someone like Jonathan Nolan or Joss Whedon or Shane Black, who is a really good writer with a distinct voice using their superheroes to tell stories. 
rather than somebody like and I don't I don't know this guy. He's the guy who wrote Jumper. Uh, he had a couple of other Ugh. terrible things on his credits. The guy who wrote this. I don't think it's any good. I mean, no, he's terrible. He's a piece of shit. He's awful. He's the I, worst. And I, I think that's a problem for me. Is if you're just going to do fan service, and you're not going to have a good writer, you're going to lose me. But if you, you know, if you if you get somebody like Shane Black to do an Iron Man movie, even though the first two Iron Man movies just completely bounced off me, and in a way I couldn't care less about the character. If you're going to do that, you know, if you're going to hire Shane Black, and if you're going to do it following up on something that Joss Whedon did with the character in the last movie, I love that sort of thing. Even though I don't care about Iron Man as a property, um, so as someone who's not really into the X Men, this Simon Kinberg fellow just did—you know—there's nothing there for me. Um, uh, it made me you know, like this, which uh, like to put Avengers to Avengers in perspective, and now I'm I'm like having to rethink my dislike of Avengers because it had stuff in it that was genuinely good and good lines, mm-hmm. and this one had no like not one line of dialogue that I liked. They use their F-bomb by he's derivative. He, like, rips it off from the last movie. It's fan service from the last movie, yeah. Fuck! He doesn't <laughs> only rip it off, he gets it wrong. How does he get it wrong, Dingus? Uh, because he says, uh, he says, fuck off, and it's like, go fuck yourself in the first movie. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, he misquotes the, the movie. Way to go, Kinberg. <laughs> Um, I I also thought just the storyline, this whole it's a it's a combination. It's all derivative too. It's a combination yeah. of, and it's not it's not well done derivative, but it's a combination of the Terminator, Inception, and Zapruder footage. Yeah, <laughs> that's and what this movie is. I tell you what, in that whole ridiculous Paris Dealey Plaza, we're gonna just shove this down your throat thing. That this is another moment where my kid is like, I wish they weren't showing this in videotape. I mean, he could, he couldn't stand that, and and I, I I couldn't like say, well, this is the Zapruder film, and they're trying to shove it down your throat. Sorry, they did uh, it he, several times too. It's not like, hey, we're just going to show it this one time. Brian Singer apparently really must have liked that gag because it occurred several times. Uh, it was seventy three. It was constant during that scene. It was overwhelming. It was like, okay, we get the joke. Stop it. And even is to the extent that my little kid is like, enough of this. Can I just watch the movie? Yeah, what's happening? Nothing? Okay, she got shot in the leg. Where was the... uh, Well, go ahead. Sorry, Dingus. No, I'm just like, whoever that joke is supposed to be for, or that reference is supposed to be for, is going to get it immediately. Uh, Whoever is not going to get it is never going to get it until it's explained to them. So there's no reason to do it for the entire scene and the next scene. So cut it out. We get that you're clever. You're so super clever. Enough with Zapruder. Still move well, on. Why is, it, why is this Pruder? I don't even get the joke. It, because he's the he's because they've made an assassination it's of like, Kennedy joke. I mean, it's the well, uh, I I assassinated the president and then I went to Dallas. Okay, we get it. You assassinated Kennedy and then didn't. We get the whole joke. It's, so, it's like so, a decade later and it's not a president. Well, it's and also, it's a decade later in the movie time. Right, that's well. what I'm saying. That's it's why. also, a, I think it's part of how Brian Singer is establishing the period. This idea that this is what media was yeah. like. And there, there's even, I think it's kind of, even though it's a little groan worthy, but clever enough, I like this idea of establishing Hank McCoy as creating the internet before there was an internet by setting <laughs> up 
the the tapes for the three channels and PBS. Like I think that's what he's going for, as well as as a Pruder reference, is here's how people would experience these events through their TVs. Um, and yeah, it's a little overwrought, but I think part of it is kind of the equivalent of the world building here. Um, he has a thing where he's human too, some of the time, which I thought well, the whole problem was he couldn't turn back. Like who's well, human? Well, he's no, he's, he's taking the same serum, but he's just taking it in lower dose. Oh. And I, I, by the way, it's, I don't, maybe that just doesn't. A lot of serums. Maybe just what? Uh, maybe that doesn't seem as silly to other people, but I turn it into a blue werewolf. He looks like something on a breakfast cereal. I do not understand the whole. <laughs> Which one? When he, when, when Nicholas Holt turns into a blue werewolf. Fruit brute. It's, oh, which not which X Men, which breakfast cereal? What are you, talking, what what are you talking about? When it turns in, I mean, Beast that, is a blue werewolf. I think yeah. that, that just kind of looks. Well, he turns, he turns into too. that because he's injected himself with Mystique's cells in the in the first class movie. Does he, does he know that it looks silly? Yeah, I think he's <laughs> that too. And he, even the makeup in this movie is worse than in first class. I mean, his. The way he looks as Beast is worse here. It, I mean, it's all so dumbed down and terrible. Where was my Stan Lee cameo? Did I miss? Right. It? No. It's not in. There's nothing. What is going on? Zingus, are you as enraged as I am that there is no Stan like, Lee cameo in X Men? I'm, I'm sure it's there. I'm. I'm just thankful that I can't remember it. All right. I, I don't think it's there unless it's the guy that uh, Mystique turns into in Paris that we don't get a good look at. Is it? Ah. But we don't even see that guy's face. Might have been super subtle. Oh, I, hate it. I hate the writing. I hate the editing. I want to murder this movie. Can, so- can I just ask you, uh, what is what, who is Trask supposed to be as a villain? I mean, who is Peter Dinklage's character supposed to be? We, we, we're, I guess, trained to like him by the end. Um, but he's basically, it, it basically. No, we're not. The, no, we're, yeah, I don't think he's supposed to be likable. No, I yeah. think he is because he does this whole, there's this whole monologue where he's like, Doing this thing with the young, um, the young striker, sure. where he's. No, like, I think oh. that's. I, I think that's like an Ian Holm talking about how he respects the alien, uh, in Aliens. Like I think it's he's still a bad guy it's and he's cool. got this evil agenda. And by the time the movie is over, he's been discredited. We get the little head, the little newspaper entry, entry about how he's been arrested. Uh, yeah, arbitrarily, and also it's a huge ripoff of Terminator Two, where he keeps the things in the. Place like this, the things that's gonna like make the future possible. Oh, all right. But he gets he has to use a mutant to make his anti mutant thing. Trask is from the comics, right? Like that's something that that's also a nod to the comics, isn't it? Remember him? Okay. But he has been in the these ones. But it just feels like this whole allegory about if I could go back in time and murder Hitler, what would happen? I mean, that's basically what that is, right? Wait, just. Okay, so am I stupid, or why would President Nixon not know that Magneto is a prisoner under the Pentagon for shooting JFK? He like may not. Uh, Kelly Wan, maybe the just like the president might not know about Area 51, even though we all know there are aliens there. Maybe the president wasn't briefed on that. She didn't know what a mutant was, even though they. Okay, <laughs> but it was missiles at him. How about just the the practical pers- purposes of tr- uh, of trucking in a Nixon impersonator to do that, <laughs> that? that stuff? You know, at least first class. I I know you don't like it, but I I mean I love first class, even watching it again, and 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 I I can laugh at all the silly things that happen in first class. Um, but at least they have the the good sense to just do 
footage of Kennedy doing things and not like truck in a Kennedy impersonator. And in previous ones, in, in X-Men 2, there's, there's a fictional president they do. I, I yeah. think when, when these movies bring in some ridiculous impersonator, just, it becomes, it goes from comic to cartoon. And that well, whole yeah. Nixon cartoon stuff uh, but you do need, I mean, that part of because of what they're doing and because of how they're following up on the Cuban yeah, Missile Crisis. Cool. I mean, it's definitely like Watchmen, and I kind of appreciated some of that Vietnam stuff. Like like Watchmen, they definitely are wanting to tie into real-world events, and they're not doing the standard Gotham City slash Metropolis, we're just going to create an alternate universe situation. Um, so I kind of appreciate it, even though I hated that the guy doing the Nixon impersonation thought it was terrible. I do appreciate that they were trying to make it like, like actual touching history, you know, the X-Men actually touching history kind of deal. Um, but I do agree that impersonator guy was terrible. Should have got Dan Hedaya. I was wondering too, if it was like David Pamer with makeup or I was like, who is that guy? Or they should have gotten, you know, a, a good actor. <laughs> Anthony, Anthony Hopkins. Why Anthony not? Hopkins, right. Just have him do his yeah. Nixon. Um, and why can't Magneto do something practical instead of like uh, carrying a bridge or a stadium? I mean, he, you can do so many things. Yeah, he has to carry shit. It has to, it's to keep the cops out. You, there's no other way to keep the cops away from the White House. They well, have gets, to close off the White House. No, he, he has to close it off while he's busy doing other things, Kelly Wand. It's the only practical way for him to seal off the White House so the purple robots can wreak havoc. <laughs> Which they don't. He just goes, uh. Kelly Wand, a lot of people probably died that day. We just didn't get to see it. That's a third bullet he doesn't stop. The one at his throat. Bullets. One, two, three. Not only you and me. Got one eighty degrees. And I'm calling between. Counting one, two, three. Be the I actually had to do research uh, after this movie because they reference a couple things. They reference uh, Peter Dinklage references Harrier jets when he's talking about his Sentinels program. It's 1973, and he's talking about these British jets that, that have the capability to take off and land vertically. Harriers. I'm like, there's right. no Harriers back. There. That's why you. So I looked. Jennifer Lawrence. I, yeah. Uh, I looked it up. There were Harriers. They were prototypes. So I was wrong on that count. However, uh, Stryker, Stryker uses a taser, and it ends up getting okay. used on him. In 1973, no tasers in 1973. So on no, that one, the, I was right. But Trask makes robots, so obviously tasers would be... Nope. He got them from sea monsters in Godzilla. Nope. Tasers were made, and they're a very specific thing, uh, in 1970... And... Uh, <laughs> They use them on That's Incredible. I remember they tasered a dude from the audience. Do you know what like, taser stands for? Do you know why it's called a taser? Uh, underwater breathing apparatus. It's like that. It is an acronym. Uh, it stands for, the guy who invented it, uh, named it after a character from the early 1900s named Tom Swift. Taser stands oh. for the Tom A. Swift Electric Rifle. Wow. Did you ever read any of those? Because I didn't, but they always look kind of interesting. Nah, I'm sure they don't. If I was three... They didn't know how to write well back then, Kelly Wand. Yeah, Dickens sucks. Dingus, what is this week's 3x3 three three again? This week's 3x3 three three is your favorite gas masks in movies. Ah, love it. <laughs> All right, uh, do we need to define what a gas mask is? I'm, I'm going to predict we might. I'm uh, going to predict we might uh, as well. I will be the, your gas mask police on this podcast. I'm happy to play that role. Uh, <laughs> gas mask is Mark. not uh, It's not a space helmet. It's not a rebreather. It's not a respirator. 
It is a face mask that has that little charcoal, that has that little valve on the front where you put in the charcoal filter. That's a gas mask. I think we're going to get a lot of respirators and, and, and uh, hazmat suits. We might get some and of that. That's just from Kelly. <laughs> All right, Dingus, what made you pick this? Wasn't something to Darth out? Vader. Okay. Uh, what made me pick this is that we saw the movie Godzilla, mm-hmm. and there was a gas mask in that, and it made me think of gas masks. So Godzilla off the table. Uh, I certainly believe that that, it, that that should be the case. No one can pick that. All right, so Kelly Wan, you're introducing next week's 3x3, three three, so start us off with your uh, favorite gas mask. My number three is one that was also inspired by Godzilla because it reminded me of the scene that they rip off in Godzilla from Close Encounters of the Third Kind when Richard Dreyfuss takes his gas mask off. And in that movie, it seemed like the gas mask was the only way they were really able to keep the Because back in the 70s, if someone in a hazmat suit told you to put on a gas mask... You did it and asked questions later. That's how it was back then. That, by the way, like that cover. Yeah. Want, that was a gas mask. Very good. All right. You haven't broken the topic yet. I wonder Broadway. if it was a real one, though, because they should have just had, you know, one that just would sedate them. Didn't they? They actually killed a bird in that movie. They showed they killed a they yeah, show Richard Dreyfuss that uh, that it was. Yeah, they're like, hey, well, it's a real dead bird. They didn't There's have a really back then. Yep. Yep. There's a really good um, Patricia Highsmith story where um, there's like this African nation that's trying to get more money from these diplomats that are visiting, and but then they're fire like the earlier catches fire, so they give all the diplomats these like gas masks to put on, and they, they keep trying to like tear them off. They're like, no, no, keep it on. It's, we're gonna need that, and then they find out there's like these poisonous ants that were in the gas mask, and these people die. <laughs> and where, when does talented Mr. Ripley come into this? <laughs> oh, I wish. It's a really good story. Uh, close encounter scene. That's a great one. Very good. Close encounters. I would have taken it, but I knew you were going to do it. I'm sure we should. We all share one of them, though. But first, before we get to the one we all share, um, gas masks are. Uh, there's something creepy about them for various yes. reasons, and I've always felt that in the Friday the Thirteenth movies, it, I think hockey masks look look creepy only because of Friday the Thirteenth. Like before Friday the Thirteenth. Did a hockey mask look scary? Only because it resembled a gas mask. But it doesn't. I mean, it's just a mask with the eye holes, and I guess that's what a gas mask is. Well, a gas mask evokes ideas of chemical attacks. I mean, it goes back to you know, you know, you think of people being gassed in the trenches in World War One. A gas mask is something that you were handed because this terrible chemical could descend and kill you. Um, a hockey mask is just a Canadian sport. Why would that look terrifying? You know, there's something well, already scary, you know, that, that's in our DNA kind of as human beings to think gas masks are creepy, the same way we think spiders and snakes are. I don't think that's true for a hockey mask until Friday the 13th. So there are a couple of movies, there's actually only one, it was remade, that is smart <laughs> enough to know that what's scarier than, than a hockey mask, what is scarier than a dude in a fedora, although I guess Freddy does have a burned face, is a freaking gas mask. Yes. Uh, and this horror movie also knows that a, horror, that a horror movie really should be associated with a holiday. So this particular <laughs> horror movie is associated with Valentine's Day Yay. And, and coal miners in gas masks. I knew it's a, it. It's a 1981 slasher movie called My Bloody Valentine, and it's terrible. I rewatched it. I watched the 2009 remake of it with Jansen Ackles, whatever. Yeah. Um, 
But at least these horror movies do get right that, hey, having a guy in a gas mask, you know, he's even got the miner's helmet on, too, with a little light on top of it. That's gross. That's, like, scary and weird and disturbing. Uh, and the only other thing that these movies have going for them are they've – and they start to run out of ways to do a kill with a pickaxe. Like, at least Jason can just kill you with whatever's handy. This gas mask killer dude has to use the pickaxe every time, and I think they they do a lot of clever things like, oh, what if the pickaxe is stuck in a wall and he pushes someone against the other side of it? Or, oh, what if he kills someone underhanded rather than overhanded? Or, oh, what if you know he pushes someone's face on it while it's on the floor? They totally run out of ways to kill people uh, with pickaxes. But yeah, well, not an axe, a pickaxe. Oh. Um, so my bloody Valentine at least understands that yeah, gas masks are kind of scary and, and creepy, and having a dude chase you with one. And by the way, the whole gimmick of the gas mask, you know, in Friday the Thirteenth. Actually, maybe Kelly, you can answer me this. Why does Jason have on a hockey mask? I don't know. I mean, it's not the like answer you were hoping for. Well, I don't know. Is he, he's not hiding his identity or anything, is he? Um, oh, you know what? I can answer my own question. I don't know who Kelly wants. Uh, he is because in the first movie, it's his mother disguising herself, right? And then the, the the jump reveal at the end is, oh, there's really an undead Jason running around. But Wait, isn't the point in the first Friday the Thirteenth that his mother is the killer and she's hidden behind the hockey mask? Isn't that true? Yeah, but that doesn't explain why hockey in particular, as opposed to a William Shatner one. As in Halloween. Exactly. That's the creepy one, by the way. That's scary. Yeah, that's way creepier. The Halloween mask is it's creepy, which is weird because it's tapping into our fear of William Shatner. But I don't think you know that it's William Shatner. If that hadn't been like a trivia thing that bubbled out over the ages, I don't think you would know that it was William Shatner, William Shatner mask. Explain why Star Trek always freaked me out. Ah, well, they because because Vulcans are scary. Uh. By the way, uh, gas mask is heart shaped, so that does make sense for Bloody Valentine, uh, even though hearts aren't heart shaped. That's a good point. You know, there are actually hearts in heart shaped boxes in My Bloody Valentine, which yeah. definitely calls attention to that disconnect. Hey, that heart isn't heart shaped. Hearts aren't heart shaped, and stars aren't star shaped. Are we stupid? <laughs> Just we need to curious theory. Question our iconography, don't we? Yeah. Well, the gas mask part we figured out. You're right. They are creepy. Although it might have been creepier instead of the pickaxe. The gas mask is the weapon too, and he just like keeps hitting you with it. Well, the whole point of the gas mask in My Bloody Valentine, in both of them, by the way, uh, is to hide the killer's identity. Because it turns out the killer is one of the characters. Oops. Who knew? Well, then we can see him instead of them cutting away, and then at the end going, "Oh, look, it's J. Jonah Jameson." Well, when you or take the gas, the person gets demasked at the end, by the way. Uh, well, except in Strangers, where you don't get to see it. They got it both ways, didn't they? My Bloody Valentine was written. He's not credited for some reason. I don't know what the story is. There's a fellow named John Baird who wrote a horror movie called Happy Birthday to Me. Yes, you like that one. Or I remember I, the epic. Oh, yeah, that had some cool stuff in it. John Baird is also listed as the uncredited writer of My Bloody Valentine. I don't know what's going on there, but... The same thing. Hey, let's make a slasher film. Hey, let's associate it with a holiday. And hey, let's have it be a reveal about the killer's identity at the end. It's actually one of the characters. Whoops. Did you know they're rebooting Leprechaun? Who's going to play the Leprechaun? If it's not Warwick Davis, Davis, I will... Oh, Kelly Warren. You had to go there, didn't you? I mean, uh, Andre the Giant. Dingus, give us your uh, what your third favorite gas mask use in a movie. All right, so I'm so happy that you uh, you kind of set the table for... Um, the way gas masks 
are so evocative of a certain sort of like feeling huh? um because that because I, I i i lied about the fact that Godzilla really made me think of this because I was hiding my real my real one. Pretty that, sneaky dingus. Uh, yeah, it was. That's but that's <laughs> that's my number one. I'll save that for later. Um, uh, but Wait, Godzilla is your number one? No, no, no. Uh, the, the actual the actual thing that made me think of this uh, is is my number one. I'm pretty sure it's um, mine as well, dingus. I don't think so. Ooh, no. okay. Um, my but uh, but I immediately thought of my but of two choices. And they became my number one and my number three, and 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 filling in my number two uh, uh, took a little bit of time. Um, but uh, so so number three is is I, I feel horrible for giving this because this is a movie I really don't like at all, and I feel bad about not, not liking it. It's a it's a movie that we did on the podcast, and and I felt terrible about not liking it. But the whole um, gas mask as this sort of evocative image in film. I mean, it's it's just when you see somebody, when you see a character with it, it's a different thing than a scuba mask. It's it's this weird, it's this weird image. Um, and and I and I watched this again, and I still don't think it's a very good movie. But I really like this opening scene from it. And 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 the reason I'm choosing it for my number three is because. Using the gas mask for the character, we don't yet know the character. We don't know who who he is or what he's doing. Um, but it it lends such a, this weird sense of of mystery and what's going to go on and what's going to happen. And 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 uh, forgive me for a second. Um, at the beginning of of the the X Men Days of Future Past movie we were watching, uh, I got the sense that. Um, uh, that, that Tom and I had talked about, uh, I don't think Kelly felt the same way, uh, about the uh, uh, Man of Steel, at the beginning of the Man of Steel Krypton thing, where there's this, this future world, and th- there's this great like production design, and where is this future world, and I love the way it's designed. Uh, Days of Future Past, I have no idea where we are. Are we in Shanghai? I'm not bothering to look at the, na- the things, and these things are falling out of these things that are flying over. Um, but and in the, at the beginning of, of Man of Steel, you get this really cool production design. And, and the production design at the beginning of this movie that I'm not really crazy about uh, relies largely upon what this character looks like and what he's doing and this gas mask that he's got on his face. And why does he have that on his face? Uh, it doesn't bear out in the movie, but the promise of it. Oh man, I was so into that. And so this is this is the very beginning of the movie Book of Eli. And it's it's the intro where where all that weird radiation or whatever ash is falling down and he's hunting a cat. And it's this character who's stretching this arrow. He's he's between these trees and he's got this gas mask on his face. You have no idea who this guy is and he's hunting this this hairless cat. And I hate the idea of that, but I was so fascinated by that. I'm like leaning into the movie. I'm like, oh my gosh, what what's going on? And part of that is the evocative nature of that gas mask on this character's face. I mean, the movie isn't going to pay off in that in any way, but that intro of Book of Eli, where he's got that gas mask on his face, ugh, I'm just crazy about that image. It doesn't pay off, uh, obviously, so I feel bad about picking it, but I love that image. 
uh, you should see the beginning of My Bloody Valentine. There's two people in gas masks. You don't know what they're doing or where they're going. They're going down in a tunnel. They're like, you're like, what's up with these people? Why are they wearing it? Where are they going? What's, what's going on with them? And then one of them turns around and looks at the other one and takes her shirt off and she's a naked top, topless chick in a gas mask. And they start making out. And then they get killed. All right. I'll be in my bunk. <laughs> there actually is. I, I don't think I realize this. There is this whole school of gas mask fetishism of naked chicks in gas masks, what? which what? I huh. find very confusing. Uh, and I think that's, uh, that's what was going on at the beginning of my bloody Valentine. I don't know that that's what was going on in Book of Eli. Do you remember that image, though, of him, like, leaning back in the trees? He's sitting down. He's pulling back that that string that has the arrow between it between two trees and he's got that weird gas mask and all of those heavy snowflakes of ash are falling down around him why does he take it off he should keep that on well obviously the problem with book of eli is that as the movie goes on why did he have the gas mask there who knows nobody can tell uh but the promise of that uh, damn was it because I actually like that scene too, Dingus, and I even thought about picking it. it um, but then I later was wondering, like, wh- why is he wearing it if it's obscuring his sound? Because yes, you're. Well, also, it might be hard to see through those Kelly Wands. Yeah. You know? uh, yeah but oh, see- wait a minute. Wait a minute. Have you got you've got an answer for that? The the, uh, the, the greater question of his obscuring his sound is that he's constantly listening to an iPod. For the entire movie. That's the problem. Yeah, but he's blind, so it, it overcomes. Like, he can hear through the earbuds. He's got super hearing. It's attuned, too. He's deaf, too. He's not blind. He's, he's oh. okay. <laughs> <laughs> no one knows what you're I, talking about. <laughs> what? Yeah, they do. Is that, I guess that is a meme. Is it a meme? I don't know. I got it. I'm laughing. Well, because we've seen all that. Yeah, I don't know. I think about that line once a week. Just about because the, the newscaster okay. talking about yes. the blind mountain climber and accidentally throwing over to the segment yeah. by saying that he's gay. Right. That is every every I, I, that as well. I love slipped. newscasters screwing things up. I adore that. Yeah. Yeah, and she says it funny and um she catches like herself. She immediately knows that she screwed up. Yeah. It's awesome. It's funny for whatever reason. I support her in her buffoonery. I think it's a dude, isn't it? There no, was a chick. Yep, it's a woman. Yeah. yeah I'm blind. All right, my number. Is it my turn? I can't yes, it is you. My number two favorite use of a gas mask. Wait, uh, no, it's Kelly. Kelly. Okay, Kelly Wand. What is your number two favorite use of a gas mask in a movie? Or it could be a respirator or a hazmat uh, hood. <laughs> in your case, uh, Kelly Wand will make an exception. Oh, huh. that's how low the bar is, huh? <laughs> my number two. Dingus may have to make a ruling on this one. Nope, I'm the gas mask police. Oh, shit. I've, how did, I've how did that happen? This is title. Wait a well, I just, think, just like Alexander Haig, I'm in charge here. Wait, so are you saying that a gas mask can't be a respirator? <laughs> yep. Uh, no, no, it can be. You said it could be. not the same thing. You'll see. You'll see when we get to my All number right. one. Because the gas mask is chosen. It's just a respirator that contains... All right, I, go, ahead. go ahead, Kelly. But I know it's a movie Dingus likes, so I think he would like... Ah, so it's either Midnight Run or Rushmore. Here we go. Now, oh. this movie freaked me out a lot, actually. It gave me the heebie-jeebies. Okay. Uh, wait, I forget what Tom thinks of it. I think Tom thinks it's too TV actorly, even though there's not TV actors. Kellen Lutz in it. 
I just know him as Lutz from the Expendables 3 trailer. I think he's lost the Kellen and it's like Cher or nice. Kitsch. Um, okay, Lutz. I'm referring to the film, uh, and I don't know. See, here's the thing. I don't know if the, I don't. I think these were gas masks, and that was kind of the point. But it was in K19, The Widowmaker, that submarine movie. All right, let's go over to Dingus. Dingus is that a gas mask? I don't know what he's talking about since I What? Oh, in Harrison Ford and um, Liam Neeson. It's not Harrison Ford. It's Dwayne Johnson doing a Russian accent. Tom, I'm not getting much help. I was expecting a lot more. I've never uh, seen that where, movie. Is it's Catherine... Peter... What's her name, Tom? Catherine what? Oh, that is a Catherine Bigelow movie. I keep forgetting Beagle. that about K-19. Uh, it's where, is it where like Peter Sarsgaard goes in to repair the nuclear reactor? Yeah. Yeah. Is he wearing a gas mask? I don't. So a gas yeah, mask is not going to protect you from radiation. Right. They don't have it. They don't have the radiation suit, so they have to use gas masks. And they're like, that's not going to. That's not going to help you. No, I know no, exactly. So it's they, like a, for a placebo effect. It's like a placebo here. effect, and then when they come out. They're they're getting totally fucked. They just get, okay. We won't tell the men that these are useless. Ah, okay. they can think, but you know, but you know that scene going in. So you're like, oh god, how fucked up are they going to look when they take the gas mask off? Because they've just been in the radiation core all that time, mm-hmm. and then it's always like infinitely hit more hideous and depressing than even you would think. And they like stand there extra long, and I think they do know it's not doing anything, but they like. It's like what two hundred degrees or three hundred degrees, and if I like move the. Oh, that's just like when the oven is on low. Who can anybody can deal with that? Yes, seen that movie. I thought. I thought. No, I've seen it. I've seen it. I don't. It didn't make much of an impression. I mean, I remember Peter Sarsgaard. It was another one like Harrison Ford just phoning it in. Um, <laughs> yeah, but radiation shit always freaks me out. That stuff's fucked up, dude. Fucking in Fat Man and Little Boy, and John Cusack gets bitched. Remember? No, I've never seen that. That's Roland Joffe, isn't it? Yeah, of Elisha Cuthbert captivity. <laughs> Wow. I like to think of, of of missionary and killing fields. Well, there's some sub, subplot, yeah, in Fat Man and Little Boy, which is mostly a shitty movie where John Cusack is a fictional character who like unthinkingly picks up like a fuel rod or something. Kelly Wand, we've probably told you this before, but I'm just going to reiterate. I'm going to need you to see PU239, starring yeah. Oscar Isaac. Please, will you? I mean, I. I- Please. Batman Little Boy isn't that bad. Isn't Paul Newman in that too? Is that his Yeah. Name? But it's Why? like that's a, that's an HBO movie. I mean, come on. That's not. What? No, there's a good HBO movie about it. I forget the name of it. All right. But it's that. It's the thing that the HBO movie did better. Dings, I hate to tell you this, but I think PU239 was also uh, I think they that got picked up by HBO. Tom. I know. Oh, sorry. Oops. Don't tell Kelly Wand. He'll think Game it's an HBO movie. <laughs> Game of Thrones. <laughs> Um, all right. Uh, if radiation freaks you out, so I'm just going to go ahead and give you the premise, Kelly Wand, of PU-239. So pretty straightforward. It's a, it's a Russian, uh, like nuclear physicist or whatever. He, uh, steals some radiation, um, to try to, to try to sell it. Uh, and it's because he's, you, you know, I forget exactly why he's doing it, I think. It's because he, it's because he needs the money. Yeah, he's trying to save his family. Yeah, yeah. And so he's stealing this radiation. He's just trying to sell it on the black market. And it's about... Plutonium. What, yeah, and it's about what would... Have, yeah, you don't steal radiation. Whatever. You steal something that's radioactive. Uh, and he is going, he's going to sell it. <laughs> and it's about what how that would work out. The guy is carrying around radiation trying to sell it. <laughs> and he's trying to sell it to Oscar Isaac. Uh, 
who you'll know Kelly Wand as one of the actors in the new Star Wars movie. You'll finally know who that is. All right, so uh, Kelly Wand, uh, a little uh, K-19. A lot of movies about radiation, Kelly Wand, they're just letters and numbers. K-19, PU-239. Chernobyl Diaries. (laughs) TK-421. China Syndrome. Wait, um, the guy who is trying to sell his radiation? Uh Uh-huh, Patty Considine. I didn't care about that, but um, <laughs> he could be like a human alarm clock. Like if the guy has a Geiger counter, but he can't afford a clock, and then he just comes into the room, and then the Geiger counter starts crackling, and then it, that sound wakes the guy up. Which I know an alarm clock's probably less hassle and lasts a little longer, but you won't have to plug in. Oh, you'd have to plug in the Geiger counter, which probably uses a lot more power, but still. Uh, have you seen a movie called Dead Man's Shoes, Kelly Wand? Why the fuck would I? <laughs> okay, fair enough. Because <laughs> Olivia Thirlby's in it. Oh, what? No, I'm not falling. She's for naked that. in it. She's actually well known. I mean, she's she's in probably there's probably like 30 minutes of her just running around naked. I tried, Dingus. I really tried. Yeah, you yes ended. Good job. <laughs> Hang on, I'm already googling it. Uh, Dead Man's Shoes with Olivia Thirlby. <laughs> Kelly Wand, you would not tell me. When I say Patty Considine, you'd be, I don't care about that. You would not say that if you had seen a movie called Dead Man's Shoes, which you would appreciate. I think. Patty what? Patty Considine is a, I want to say he's Irish, but I, I don't know. Oh, it's sure. dude. <laughs> <laughs> Give me something good. I don't Give me Patty Considine. She's going to be in here. Stop. All right. Hey, 19. Uh, Kelly Wand, my number two favorite uh, oh, use of a gas mask. Not part of this audience. <laughs> and, and Dingus. Dingus, I'll tell you oh, as well. Okay. Uh, so this movie is a sequel to another movie. And what these two movies do really well in their first scene is establish the world that they're set in. Now, the, the first movie does this by showing you a spaceship with nobody in it. And the spaceship will soon become, the first movie is Alien, it will become a haunted house. And the opening of Alien, just showing the Nostromo, the interior of the Nostromo, when no one is there, This you, you think, like, is it abandoned? And there are weird things, like there's fluttering paper because there's a vent going, but there's, uh, like, just the camera moving around the sleeping Nostromo in the beginning of Alien establishes it fantastically as a, as a haunted house horror movie. Now, the opening of Aliens, plural, uh, which James Cameron did, it, it's, it's the interior of the escape pod where Ripley has jettisoned herself with the cat in the first movie. And it opens with this laser cutting the door open, and then a, uh, or it's actually a welding thing, cutting the door open, and a little laser sensor on a robot arm looks in, and it scans the room, and then it pulls out. And these dudes in gas masks, and these are clearly gas masks. If you watch the movie, they're not hazmat hoods, they're gas masks. They're not attached to any breathing packs on their back or anything like that. These dudes in gas masks walk in, and they look at her, and they say, I actually wrote down the dialogue because it's kind of important. And they're kind of creepy looking. Like they walk in and you're like, whoa, what are these guys doing? But they look in and they look at Ripley and they say, the one dude says, bio readouts are all in the green. It looks like she's alive. And you're like, oh, she's been, she's been saved. But then the guy takes off his gas mask. So he kind of humanizes himself at this point. We see it's a man's face. This is a human being here. And then he says, well, 
There goes our salvage, guys. And, and the, the reveal is, you know, this is the world of aliens where people might look like monsters. You know, this, they come in as these, these scary-looking things. But when you discover that they're human, they don't care about her being alive because they've rescued her and they're concerned about her. The announcement that she's alive, they're bummed out because they're not going to make any salvage from the ship. And I love that that's establishing the world of aliens, which is kind of a Vietnam 80s greed is bad movie. Like that's the setting of the second movie uh, by showing these guys in gas masks who uncover themselves and reveal that, hey, human beings are greedy. They don't care that much about human life. They're just looking out for the bottom line. They're, they're trying to make money. You know, they're screwing each other over for a percentage. As, as, uh, it's a company. Is that? Yeah. Uh, uh, so yeah, that's good. Um, so I like that, and it's clear, and I went back and watched it. It is, it, it, those are definitely gas masks. They're not like, because the, the room is at, like the room is pressurized, and they would know that. They just don't know, I guess, if there's some kind of contagion. Maybe that's what the laser thing, uh, finds out. Um, so there's my number two pick for a gas mask. Actors who play Marines were asked to read Starship Troopers and undergo military training. Wait, actors who weeks. Oh, oh, in, in Aliens. In aliens yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, I think it paid off. Uh, yeah, and so did the gas mask acquisitions. <laughs> what were those guys asked to read? The guys who played the gas mask salvage? The instructions on how to wear the gas mask. All right. They, they wore it well. Had their lines written in the gas mask over the eye holes. Uh, Dingus, what is your number two favorite use of a gas mask in a movie? Uh, by the way, I think you were looking for the name Paul Reiser. What did he say? Oh, that, so that I wasn't sure who said they don't screw each other over for a percentage. If that was Paul Reiser or wait, oh, he no, wouldn't say that. that. Who's he saying? Sorry. All right. So my my number two one they <laughs> wait, the, no no uh, it does say they don't screw each other over for a percentage. Is that Paul Reiser or Sigourney Weaver? No, no, it's Sigourney Weaver. Then, yeah. no, he wouldn't say yeah. it. He's the one doing it. Sigourney oh, that's right. He knows they do screw each other over for... Oh, no, no, but for. Paul Reiser knows that the aliens don't... No, but Paul Reiser explaining to Sigourney Weaver, we can't kill these, we have to take them alive and study them, because yeah. they don't screw each other over for a percentage. God, you're dumb. <laughs> no, because she Why said, at least they don't screw each other over a percentage, and then Michael Bean says, let's, you know, let's... Watch. Grease this rat fuck, right. Yes. Yeah, let's grease this rat fuck? Isn't that his line? Is that it? Let's grease this rat fuck. You know what? Actually, no, I'm pretty sure that's one of Carrie Newt's lines, now that I think of it. Carrie Newt. He also, Tom also oh, said... Hen. Carrie Hen. Sorry. You know, Carrie Hen. It's Carrie, and then insert the name of a small creature. And I confused which creature it was. <laughs> Carrie Hen played Newt. Carrie Facehugger, <laughs> you meant to say. It's weird how you how often you troll and how easily you are trolled. Like, that's a weird combination to me about you. Mm-hmm. Okay. You fall for the dumbest traps, and what you set I falling for? the most elaborate. Uh, Jonathan Nolan was my trap. What was that your trap for? Wait, the ones you've... No, no, I'm saying... Uh, Carrie Xenophile. Xenophile. Xenomorph. Carrie Han is the cute little girl who played Newt, who grew up and then did no more movies. Okay, I'm saying you're trolling yourself. No, it's true. What I just said is true. There's no trolling there. No, but what'd you call her before? Carrie Newt. I screwed up her character name and the actress's name. That was a bona fide. That was a boner. That was not a troll. Yeah, but that's the thing where it's the same thing as blind and gay. Like, why did he say that? Like, Carrie Newt. I guess it's just because her character's name. 
But it also makes me wonder if you just have a thing about newts that you got to work on. In. Ew. Carrie uh, Newt would be a good name for an X-Men. Or a porn star. Ooh, gross. Kelly Warren, that's a terrible name for a uh, porn star. <laughs> Kelly Warren, I think you need to study up on what kind of names porn stars have. Oh, like Kellen Lutz. They're just made of plastic. <laughs> <laughs> Dingus. Te- tease it up and putts it in. That's All right. Dingus, what is your number two pick for a favorite gas mask? All right, here's a quote from it. And I will. I am quoting now. I'm not talking to you. Here's the quote. <laughs> Screw you, Tom. This isn't the mill. You're not in charge anymore. Who named Tom is deprived of being in charge of the mill? We don't know any of this because everybody in this scene, save the main characters, are wearing gas masks. Um, and I love the I love this line and I love the, the dude who is who is who is the good guy in the scene. Uh, and I love that it's screw you, Tom. This isn't the mill. You're not in charge anymore. <laughs> Wait a minute. Um, and so this is this is a scene from the movie Carriers, and this is mm. the the scene where we. Dingus. <laughs> what? <laughs> Why would you remember we... that one scene? Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> because I just remember I remember the fact that uh, they have different shaped gas masks, and that's what I I love about this scene is that. In order for us to figure out who is the the good soldier guy, right. as opposed to the rapists guys, uh, they they sort of do like asymmetrical uh, gas masks, <laughs> <laughs> so we can figure out who's who. And um, and the 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 main dude, and I, and I just love this sort of that there's this whole weird military thing going on. But the thing I really love about this is that um, the, the gas masks that they're wearing to protect them, and they've got these full body suits as well. Uh, once they find out, once uh, once they force the girls to uh, strip in order to quote unquote, you know, uh, make sure that they're not carriers of the disease. Um, once they find out that one of them does have the disease, they freak out and make everybody leave immediately. So they don't really trust their gas masks. They're just wearing them. <laughs> um, and I, what I've never seen, and I've seen Carriers a, a couple of times because I really, really like this movie, is that I've never seen – I never noticed that as they force uh, the group of travelers to get back in their car and go, 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 get out of here. They back Tom, uh, who is the leader who is standing up to say, this isn't who we are. We're not the kind of people who strip girls down and then take advantage of them to be polite about it. Uh, We're not those kind of people. They disarm Tom because there's this weird confrontation. At the end of that scene, they back him into a room with a gun, and the implication is that they're just going to kill this guy. And I, I guess I'd never noticed that before. But I just like – I liked the way gas masks are used in carriers because they're used for character purposes, and they're differentiated. And also – uh, as far as the characters are concerned, they're so freaked out that the gas masks don't really matter to them. It's just, but it's such a great character thing. Has Kelly Wan seen Carriers yet? Is that the one with Anne Hathaway? There's your answer. Kelly Wan, have you seen The Cave? Ugh. Why are you going ugh? That's the dumb one. Well, they're all dumb, but some of this one, The Cave. That's the stupid version of The Descent, isn't it? Um, mm. 
I see what you're saying. Uh, it is, it's a, stu- <laughs> there's a lot of like, hey, people go underground and stupid things happen. The descent is kind of a rare exception to that. But right. the cave is amazing for, uh, one of the, one of the reasons to see carriers. Actually, there are four really good reasons to see carriers and they're the yeah. main actors in it. And uh, Hathaway's too for passengers. One of the main reasons to see carriers is Piper Parabo is so good in it. Oh yeah. Wait, but, she's in it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's so in she, it. She's the titular here. Well, no, she's the one who has she has to take off her clothes in order to show whether or not she's a carrier. But no, if you want if you want Piper Parabo cheesecake, and you're probably thinking, "Hey, Coyote Ugly, whatever." There's a sequence in the cave where I think I've talked about this before, where she has to do this like free mountain climb, like she has to save them by climbing up this this steep cliff to get to this one hard to reach cavern uh so she's like i can do it i'll save you all and she strips down she's not naked or anything but she's wearing a super skin tight mountain climbing outfit and doing this really physical climbing scene she looks so it's one of the sexiest freaking things ever and it's a stupid movie and you got to sit through a bunch of dumb monster sequences whatever but piper parabo's like skin tight outfit mountain climbing and she's in actual mountain climbing gear. Her scene in the cave is so freaking sexy, Kelly Wand. I'm surprised I think I like you would skin and not skin tight. Cause skin tight, you're like, it could be anything under there. Now, come on. I mean, you could tell she's in great shape when she does that mountain climbing scene in the cave. But then you can't see her face because she's. No, no, you can. It's totally like it's it's the camera and she's sweating and stuff because it's a really difficult, strenuous thing. No, see, it, you will not poo-poo the cave if you reappreciate this scene. I'm telling you. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I don't know. I also, caves. Also, Emily Van Camp is in it, and she's Agent Thirteen in Captain America: Winter Soldier. Oh no, she's in Carrie, she's oh. not the cave. Don't see the cave for Emily Van Camp, Kelly Warren. Oh, sorry. See, <laughs> see carriers for yeah. And you like Lou Taylor Pucci? <laughs> true. Uh, <laughs> not, I mean, as the evening wears on. I'll... <laughs> uh, all right. So, uh, Davis, always glad to see carriers appearing on a three by three. Kelly Wand, give us the best gas mask scene of all time in a movie. Uh, in the movie Wizards? Not a gas mask. What? Go ahead. I'm sorry. Continue. The they shot Fritz scene. That's like that's those are gas masks. Wait, is it wizards Fritz. about these little cartoon characters that ride on these like these dinosaur things that look like Yoshi? Yeah, but not that spells. Guy. I don't even know. I've never seen it. I don't know the first thing about it. Uh, you never seen Wizards? No. Why would I see it? It's a cartoon. Because you smoke pot. <laughs> is that is it a stoner movie? Yeah, I was nine. It's most stone I'd ever been since, <laughs> since age seven. Yeah. I must have in my stoner phase. I must have missed that. I did not see wizards. All right, all right. So explain to us who wears a gas mask in wizard. Okay, wizard. two guys are wearing gas masks, okay. and one of them, uh, I forget, is either taking a nap or gets shot, and he's laying on the ground. And then his buddies, all, oh no, they shot Fritz. Fuck those little fucking yellow fairies. Fuck them, man. This is bullshit. Gonna save Fritz. Killed Fritz bastards takes the some of that and he just keeps shooting around, and then the guy gets up. He's all, "Hey man, I'm just okay." Max, I think is the other guy's name, and then Max like, uh, "There goes my medal for the day." Something, and then he accidentally shoots him, and then he's all, "They killed Fritz," and then he shoots around again. Wait, so they have guns and gas masks in this movie about wizards? Yeah, that makes no sense, Kelly Wand. And the evil wizard. Is um, 
indoctrinating the orcs by making them watch home movies. They have orcs in this movie with guns and gas masks. <laughs> they have orcs. Yeah, and they have the, the MacGuffin's a film projector about Hitler and a, like bad animation. So this is a, isn't it a Ralph Bashke or Bakshi or whatever you say his name? Eleanor is the girl's name. Yeah. It's the guy that did those weird Hobbit cartoons, right? Or no? Yeah, but it's better. It's just kind of like bleak and weird. And, um, I don't know. Hmm. At the time, it seemed, it made an impression on me. I think I was like seven. Dingus, during your stoner phase, did you see Wizards? It had, uh, see, no, I did not. I, I saw it during my heroin phase. He kind of ran out of uh, money, kind of like Dingus did during the heroin phase. Kelly Wand, I did see Sorcerer, so uh, that's close to Wizards. See, uh, that's not really about. I, I saw Warlock, but I don't know. Oh, I've seen that. How many Warlocks Warlock's have you seen, Dingus? I've only seen the Julian Sands one. Right. There's others. I think he's, he's in all of them. Yeah, he's, he's the, the only comment. Like Lori Petty, what was her name? No, Lori. Who's the girl in the annoying Auckland. girl? Richard Grant and whatever the Lori chick's name who was in the first one, they skedaddled. They were like, we're done with this. But Julian Sands, I think he's in all the Warlock movies. Oh, all right. Uh, uh, is Descent 2? You warned me off Descent 2, but I was always a little curious about it. Yeah, there's no reason to see it. What? Are you sure about that? Well, it's not Neil Marshall, I don't think. They got someone else to direct it. They might have, he might have helped write it. But, uh, the only thing, so, and they also do a thing in Descent 2. I wish I could remember the woman's name. The woman who plays, uh, the, so at the end of Descent, it's the two women down in the cave. One yeah. of whom is, I think, either the actress or the character's name is Juno. Like, she's yeah. the super hot, dark chick. Right. Natalie, can almost think of the actress. Natalie she Mendoza. Heard. So no, Natalie Mendoza is the super hot chick who I, uh, she, you know, Piper She's Bravo climbing around a cave is hot, but Natalie Mendoza climbing around a cave is even hotter. So yeah. Natalie Mendoza supposedly dies at the end of Descent, right. but because she was one of the only actresses they could get for Descent Two, they kind of were like, um, nope, she didn't die. She's okay. She's going to be in this movie. She's fine. <laughs> She'll be back. She don't. She's Just okay. Just like Professor X. <laughs> look over. Look over He's here. Alive somehow. Right, yeah. <laughs> Uh, so no, you don't need to see Descent too. They never. That always bugs me when they don't try to explain. Like there's probably some way that they because doesn't she die off screen? Well, no, it is off screen. And so the idea is that when someone else gets caught in the caves, like she's been living down there and she's become a super bat people hunter. Like she's the super badass hunter chick who can s- survive against the bat people. Um, but it sort of undercuts the the narrative thrust of the end of the Descent. Get it? Uh, but also. Yep. Did you know the original ending, she doesn't get out the last character, and it's all a dream, and then she wakes up in the pit again. So I think I actually, I think you were with me, at Sundance saw the original ending, and there was only a, a one a theatrical release. It sounds like a better ending. You can see them both. I'm pretty sure that if you rent The Descent, you can see them both. Um, Remember the dumb chick who dies first, because she's like in a hurry to see shit, and she looks kind of like Time Daily. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> Isn't there an She's like, I got it, I got it, and she's like, but false. The thing that is a midnight movie, like, oh. thing that is a midnight movie in a huge theater uh, with a bunch of people is awesome. It was freaking, yeah, dude. The cave shit was fucking freaking me out. Like before, even they get to the freaks, right? Like just rocks and how, uh, right? Yeah, you're so. What's worse, space or like the Earth's core? Jeez, Pete, the Earth's core, please. Have you seen how terrifying the core is? 
with uh, name, Kelly Wan, name three actors in the core. Go. Stanley Tucci, Aaron good. Eckhart, Hilary Swank. Damn, you're good. Name four is what I meant to say. Uh, Vina. Uh, DJ Qualls. <laughs> DJ Qualls. Wait, I wasn't done. You, you I, challenged me and then, <laughs> and then act like you'd won. Challenge was at least you're gonna have time to say a name. I find that it's the game, and I just won. <laughs> I thought he was gonna say Hot Pockets and Zena. Oh, oh, that's what you were referencing. You. The audience was clapping for me to win. <laughs> they always are. All right. Speaking of me winning, my favorite scene with a gas mask. I'm surprised <laughs> neither of you has mentioned it yet. Uh, let me give you a line. You don't want to go cheap on a gas mask. Uh, that's a good line. I don't think I've heard the movie. Um, so there's a, one of the scenes that I really like in Take Shelter is uh, Michael Shannon decides to buy a gas mask and he goes into a military surplus store and he asks, you know, how much is that one? And the guy tells him how much. He's like, do you have anything less expensive? And the guy's like, no, that's the cheapest one I've got. And you really don't want to go cheap on a gas mask. And then – and this is such a heartbreaking moment in the movie and the gas masks get used later in the movie too. But yeah. then Michael Shannon asks, do you have it in a child size? <laughs> and you're like, oh my god! I mean, that's just such a because the movie is about you know take shelter. We did a podcast on it. I think it it was at least uh, at least two of us picked it as our favorite movie of the year. Uh, no, we all did. It was a tie. Three okay. Tie. Um, but uh, it, it's about. Take Shelter is, on one level, it's about this guy who gets these premonitions about the end of the world. But on a deeper level, Take Shelter is all about uh, parental anxiety. You know, the anxiety you have when people are relying on you. And this guy who's convinced that the world is going to end, you know, as and we're not sure as the audience, you know, is he crazy? Is there something to this? But he's doing it from a loving place. And he goes to get a gas mask to protect himself. And he's got a little daughter. Uh, and he asks, you know, do you have these in child sizes? And the guy says, you know, no, we don't. You have to give a child, you know, you have to put a respirator on a child. Um, so then later on, there are scenes in, in the shelter where he, he tells his family, you know, he, he puts the respirator on his daughter and he tells Jessica Chastain, you know, they, they wear the gas masks and fall asleep wearing them. And he's really nervous about taking his off when, when they wake up. Um, but oh, I, I, I sleep with them on. Ugh. Yeah. Well, you know, he, yeah, yeah. Um, you don't, Kelly one, you don't stop breathing when you sleep. I don't know if you know that. Yeah, but if your apnea is bad, yeah, I guess right. it says anti-apnea suppressant. Uh, but so there's my favorite gas mask scene, and I was sure, Dingus, that was exactly what you were thinking of when you mentioned this topic, and that I would be a Johnny Come Lately to mention it. Uh, I, that's not what I was thinking of. Um, I thought of it at one point and I wrote it down, and then I forgot about it as the week went on. I was like pulling together my picks. I was like, there's. There's one I'm forgetting. There's one I'm forgetting because I remember him down in that shelter. Uh, and yeah, you you totally got me. That's great. Yeah, but him just him looking at that guy and just yeah, asking, do you have do you have this in a child size? That's a great line. Oh, it right. really is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right, Dingus. What is the best gas mask scene in a movie? The one. Right. So this is the one that you were sitting on, right? That you when you mentioned it and when you lied to us and said that Godzilla inspired the topic. Right. This is the one I lied to you about. This is the actual one. Mm -hmm. And the quote is, you know where that puts me? Photography. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, you know where that puts me? Photography, tragedy. I don't cause it. I just document it. Everybody has to earn a living. So this is uh, the movie Monsters, directed by Gareth Edwards, who mm. directed Godzilla. Um, and I love – I actually – I actually really, really – think i love the movie monsters um i'm you know i a lot of people i i just see a lot of people 
really loving Godzilla, and I just didn't care for it. I guess I missed the point, maybe. Um, but monsters, I really, really like. But And there's this weird gas mask iconography that's all through monsters. But what I really like is this... Um, is this way they use the gas masks for uh, Scoot McNary when he's like shooting pictures, and where they're using with kids because kids are trying on different gas masks. Be- the reason they're doing this is because um, because of these raids that the military does to get rid of the monsters, and so the citizens have to put on gas masks for these raids. And so you see a lot of the iconography of gas masks all through it. And there's this this weird sort of like kids wearing gas masks and there's this bizarre like uh, a gas mask being put on a teddy bear and it's and then there's a, there's there's a PSA about gas masks and so that so the, the cartoons about you be sure to put on your gas mask it's very much this duck and cover kind of thing. And I really when I, I was watching monsters uh, after I saw Godzilla, I loved that gas mask stuff, and that's uh, another one of the things that Gareth Edwards uses in Godzilla that he'd already used in Monsters. And and again, this is one of those things because I watched Monsters after seeing Godzilla that I was like, oh, that's where he got it for Godzilla. All right, this is this gas mask kind of a thing that he's doing. And but I I just love that it being put on kids, being put on their stuffed animals, teaching kids we need to use these types of things, and it very much reminds me of what Tom's talking about like if you have this in a kid's size but uh, I mean this isn't as important a film as Take Shelter is to me I mean Take Shelter is a really important film to me it's bizarre to me that I didn't remember what Tom's talking about but uh, Monsters works in too something else Dingus in Monsters that I really appreciated that he touched on in Godzilla and that I was disappointed he wasn't going to do more with uh, so a lot of Monsters is about people moving through this abandoned uh, it almost looks post-apocalyptic, this uninhabited wasteland that's been cleared out. And in Godzilla, they have that same idea where there's some Japanese city that's under quarantine and it's been overgrown by vines and grass and weeds and uh, it looks like this post-apocalyptic city. And there's it looks awesome, these scenes where um, High Courtney and um, uh, Brian Cranston are, are, are traveling through it. And it's like the setting in Monsters. And I love this idea of the abandoned city. And I even thought for a moment in Godzilla, uh, they're just doing that so that Godzilla can come out and trash the city and we don't have to think about people are getting killed. Uh. Uh, But it was even worse than that is Godzilla didn't trash it. They didn't even have any other scenes in it. Uh, and right. I, I, I love that idea of, in Monsters that there's this uninhabited no man's land that these people have to go through. Um, and yeah, nothing got done. And no man's well. land is where gas masks are worn. To be safe, Kelly Lund. Oh. You probably should. Yeah. Dingus, what uh, what do listeners have for us for gas masks? Ah, uh, our lovely listeners. First, we have um, Jaime Cabrera. Hello, Quarter 3 crew. Long-time fan of the gaming podcast. I only discovered this one a few months ago, and I have managed to catch up with every 3x3 since the beginning. Whoa, Here- Jaime. <laughs> yeah, crazy. good job, Jaime. Uh... Here are my top picks for favorite gas masks. Wait, Dingus, I have a, I have a question. How, like Jaime, is it Jamie? Like, are you? How how do we know his name is? Uh, I don't, but it's spelled J I J A I M E, which Isn't is it generally. Oh, no. I, I've seen that written. Always assumed it was Jamie. That's how you spell Jaime. Like Jaime isn't like H E I M E Y or whatever. Well, 
Jamie is generally J-A-M-I-E. That's Jamie. This is J-I-M-I-E. I mean, J-I-M-E. And if it's J-A-I-M-E, it's usually pronounced Jaime. I'm just pres- presuming it's that. Do you know how to spell... Uh, sorry, we'll get to Jaime's email in a minute. Do you know how, <laughs> how to spell uh, chiffon? Uh, I do not. Fabric? Really? You got Because this is another one that drove... Oh, I know it. Wait, wait. wait. Spell it. Spell the name chiffon. It's an Irish name. Spell it. S-A-I-O-B-H-A-N. Yeah, except without the H. Like, I always thought it was Seoban. What? It, but that's like chiffon. I'd never seen that. Like, I'd seen that word written. I'd heard it said. I never connected the two. So. I had that's a not chiff- that chiffon. It's chiffon. Yeah. Chiffon. Said, you just said what I said. You said no, the exact same thing no, I you said. You said chiffon like C-H-I-F-O-N. You were saying chiffon like the fabric. Chiffon. That's right. It's the same thing. S-I-O-B-A-H-N. Chiffon. That's chiffon. No, you don't say... It sounds phonetically, not spelling. You're disabusing me of something I thought I knew. So you don't see the word S-I-O-B-A-H-N and say chiffon? No. What? no say, say Volkswagen. Volkswagen. And he did it again, see? I did what? That has nothing say, to- say the name of the Roger Moore movie with two... You only live twice. You only live once. <laughs> Is that even in that one? Um, the one uh, called... You know I, I think say, yes. say folks. Folks. Oh, my God. There's an L in folks. You don't ignore it. All right, so anyway, I'm sorry. Jaime, I'm, I'm glad to know that that's, that's how you say that. I never Damn that Tom Chick. I thought, you I thought I was sure that chiffon was that S-I-O-B-H-N thing that's in chiffon with a, It sounds like a V, and then chiffon is... Oh, like, so you guys are just quibbling about whether someone says F or V. Yeah, Same that's what thing. we're doing. Or chiffon, about chiffon, that. whatever. Childishly quibbling over a how do you spell something, and then you say a different word. And, and meanwhile, I, I now that I now that I scan to the end of this this dude's email, I see that he's a um, a quarter three uh, name I know, uh, so maybe I shouldn't have said his name. Uh, If you don't want us to say your name, please tell us Uh, which name. (laughs) Wait, he ends with it? No, no, he just uh, he... he, If you don't want us to use your name, we will go back in time and we will tell Dingus this before he reads the email. Yeah. Exactly. Just put your hands on either side of my ears. And Actually, no, Dingus, you can't go back because your brain is too developed. We need to send Kelly Wand back in. Yeah. yeah. Kelly's already tweaked. I won't notice the difference. Kelly's brain can uh, stretch, so we can send it back. All right, so I'm sorry for this side. I just thought <laughs> that. Stretch back to time. Chiffon, That's... Siobhan, whatever. It's the same thing. Oh, my God. You Stretching can... brains doesn't make them rise like yeast, Dingus. That theory was debunked in 2013. <laughs> Here are my favorite, my top picks for favorite gas masks in movies. They are chronological order by movie release date because I could not decide on a favorite. Uh, Real Genius, 1985. The main character gas Kent in order to implant him with a device that will make him think he's talking to God. They wear gas masks. This is admittedly my weakest pick, but possibly the funniest. Next is Ocean's Eleven, 2001. (laughs) Spoiler alert on a 13-year-old movie. Thank you. Uh, The crew uses gas masks as disguises when posing as the SWAT team called in to stop the robbery. (laughs) And then finally, Hellboy from 2004. 
Uh, Cronin, one of the main bad guy henchmen, has a gas mask on almost throughout the whole movie. This is to hide the fact that he has surgically removed his own eyelids and lips, according to Wikipedia, to filter out germs. Apparently, he's a germaphobe. Love the show. I look forward to hearing everyone else's picks. And this is from El Guapo. Uh, I am not sure that I... I, I, somewhere in my head, I get, I'm not sure that I could tell the difference between real genius and weird science. You can because one is awesome and the other one is stupid and has Bill Paxton in it. And I wouldn't know. Uh, Bill Paxton. One is, is awesome it. and the other is real genius. <laughs> All right. Now you clear on everything. That's uh, P.S. A little late, but a few weeks ago I forgot to send in the interrogation scene from Ace Ventura when Nature Calls. Ace uses techniques such as scratching a plate with a fork and yeah, a knife. Yeah, we'll go back uh, in time and read uh, that. Yeah, I'm not we'll podcast. We'll do it later. <laughs> so then next we have Jonathan J. Lando de Pratna. Mm-hmm. Who looks uh, like A.J. Bowen, as I need to point out every week. He does. Uh, I, I meant to Chiffon. say Bowen. Yeah. Uh, my number three is Step Up for 3D Revolution. <laughs> Oh my gosh, he's ahead of me on the Step Up movies. Wait a minute. Step Up 4-3-D colon <laughs> revolution. Not because I saw it, though. I saw the gas masks in the trailer. But because all the news and media about that scene, it was a dance sequence that began with them wearing gas masks. Unfortunately, it was the exact same one worn by the Dark Knight Returns Colorado Cineplex shooter. Oh. And it was oh, coming out no. soon after that. Like I said, it was a big story that month. Um, yeah. Thanks for bringing down the room. Buzzkill. Uh, number two is the campy Canadian classic, My Bloody Valentine. Mm. I could use the entire film, but to limit it to one sequence, I guess I will choose the opening, which is the weird psychosexual killer's issue with hearts and features, a nearly topless lass getting impaled from the back. Yeah, not nearly topless. I think she is legitimately topless. Well, Jonathan J. Lando Dupratna thinks it's nearly topless. I, apparently, his his memory has covered up certain scenes of the certain parts of the scene that he found traumatizing. Yeah. All right. Uh, Kelly Wand, in that scene, by the way, she has a tattoo of a heart above one of her breasts. And I don't know, Kelly Wand, if your video gaming nerddom goes this deep, but the moment <laughs> I I saw Breast. that, I thought. The moment I saw that, I thought, oh, it's the chick from Trespasser that Minnie Driver did the voice for because she has a little heart tattoo. Oh, right. And it's her health meter. And when you look down, it's a first-person shooter. When you look down at your cleavage, the amount of health you have left is how full that that heart tattoo on your cleavage is. What about in the game? (laughs) Wait. um, I forgot. All right. Uh, and when he impales her, by the way, on the pickaxe, the other end of the pickaxe sticks out through the tattoo. Uh, it's kind of gross. Uh, I have a question about hearts. Kelly Wan, they're not shaped like the traditional hearts that we see in Valentine's Day. You may not realize that. An actual human heart is not shaped like that. What do you mean? Do you want to know how heart, how big your heart is, Kelly Wand? Uh, apple. <laughs> no, make a fist. That's the size of your heart. True fact. Nope. Now put it really we close to your face. Gloves. Boxing gloves, though. Kelly, you know how you can tell if you have cancer? You put your hand over your face. <laughs> Take out your heart. <laughs> and I hit you on the hand, and it hurts your nose, and it's really funny. I'm going to throw my heart at you really hard at my funeral. Oh, that's a couple kinks in the plan. No pun intended. But So, no, Jonathan J. Lando de Pratt is number one. Yeah. Ah, yes. 
is super awesome, and I'm totally pissed that I didn't think of this. This is a great one. Uh, it's Leon the Professional. I could choose the bombastic Leon versus an endless amount of gas mask NYPD gathering outside his apartment, but instead I choose him using it to get out of the building. This is great. That's a great choice, John. Um, no one, not Gary Oldman chewing the scenery, notices, and him and Matilda go on to open an orphanage slash assassin's guild, right? Well, whatever. Uh, whatever happens, I know this film meant a lot to me growing up. I'm um, sorry to tell you, Jonathan, I don't think that's what happens at the end, but that is an awesome choice. I love Which that movie? choice. It's Leon. It's the professional. It's He, uh, put, uh, he puts one. a gas mask on to escape. I mean, that's a great, that's a really cool choice, actually. Gas masks are good disguises. They, nobody can tell who you are under a gas mask. That's true. Right. Is that why no one wears them anymore? Or everyone wears them? Yeah, we, we can't wear them on planes anymore. We can't wear gas masks on planes? No. Because well, what about the ones that drop down out of the pot? Not a gas mask. Not a yeah. gas mask. Oxygen's a gas. Nope. If it's feeding you oxygen, a gas mask is to filter stuff out of the air using that little carbon thing in the valve. It looks like an element. <laughs> <laughs> is that what you hear when I talk, Kelly Wong? Yeah. No offense. <laughs> I don't mean it in a mean way. I like you. Uh, I did not realize there was a gas mask dance scene. I did not see Step Up 4 because no one like Brianna Evigan or Sharni Vinson was in it or Channing Tatum. So there's no reason to see it. But <laughs> like where that went. <laughs> is Taylor is Kitchen see- it? Yeah, your favorite new Tatum uh, clone. Uh, Tatum fly. Now that I know there's a weird gas mask dance sequence, I'm curious to see Step Up 4. So thank you Let's for that. Let's take a dance class together. You and me. Who are you talking to? Me or Dingus? You. Dingus <laughs> can't dance. Look at him. You and I can make waves in the dance. Only, Kelly Wine, if we can wear gas masks while we do it. We're going to make a revolution. <laughs> Doesn't all dancing involve a revolution around the floor? You like, do revolve when you dance for the most that's part. That's the part of it I think we should get rid of of dancing. Revolving? Yeah. How about rotating? How would you feel if people rotate when they dance? On me. Wait, no, I don't like that. Well, just break dancing, is that rotating or revolving? You'll have to ask an astrologer. <laughs> I'm going to ask my astrologer. This is the flash speed dance, Paul? <laughs> I like Dingus tonight. All right, so next we have David Henderson. Hey, guys, thanks for recommending Moon on your podcast. I saw it last week, and I really enjoyed it. Why did it take Uh, David Henderson so long to see Moon? What the heck is the matter with us that we didn't stress earlier that he should have seen it by now? There's a guy who doesn't like it, and like two weeks later, it's like, wait, so you don't like Moon? Really? (laughs) But I think he's just like at the young age where he doesn't, he has to like not like stuff that everybody else likes. He's going through that phase. Okay. We're past. Have him right into the podcast, so... uh. I don't think he, he's not literate at all. So here are my three picks for gas masks in movies. This is David Henderson. Number three, we get to hear a silly joke through uh, told through a gas mask in 28 Days Later. I wonder if the joke was supposed to protect or project to the audience that the character would be dead within 10 minutes. 
you're not going to get through a zombie apocalypse with a lame sense of humor. Anyway, I think Danny Boyle wanted to reintroduce the infected with a good action scene, so we get to see some Molotov cocktails tossed around and a gas station blown up. Oh, the yeah. gas masks worn by Killian Murphy's rescuers added a nice touch to the scene. Why are they wearing... Uh, I guess... The idea is, I mean, they're wearing them so that when you see them, when they come out and rescue, and it's Naomi Harris and whoever the other poor guy is who's going to die soon. Uh, so you don't know if they're good guys or bad guys, and it has to do with this idea of gas masks looking creepy. But why would you wear a gas? Like, would it protect you from? I guess it's to keep the blood from getting in their face. Yeah, I, I don't know that. The, I mean, you can't wear. It's not. Yeah, you're protecting your eyes. Basically. Why don't you just wear like glasses? I mean, it just seems like a little overkill. I don't know. Maybe it's because well, it's all not, of your a gas mask protects membranes. you from right, but a gas mask protects you from airborne uh, viruses. Like if it's just a matter of something splashing in your face, then just wear like a, a cloth or, and, or, or cloth and, and glasses. I don't know. Um, Do they sell gas masks at the gas station or ski masks at? The ski resort. Well, but you see, if you think about it in that world, I mean, any mucous membrane that you can cover, I yeah. mean, a gas mask is going to cover those things. You're not going to inhale anything. You're not going to get anything in your nose. You're going to get anything in your mouth. You're going to get anything in your eyes. What about your ears? Uh, it covers them. I don't think ears are mucous membranes. Wait, we breathe through our ears and hear through our nose. Uh, yeah, your body so, will remember. Oh. All right. So but I do like Anderson. that because I do love that they, that they're both introduced as these potentially sinister-looking gas mask wearers. You know? Right, 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 right. Yeah. More science from the quarter to three movie podcast. <laughs> so David's number How two. How air works. Uh, at the beginning of Disney's Ratatouille, Remy the Rat is hanging out and watching a cooking show in an old lady's house. When the woman sees Remy and his brother, she tries to blow them away with a shotgun. She eventually puts... <laughs> Is that what happens? Yeah. I don't think I see yeah. it. It's, it's, it's fairly violent. It sounds horrific so it, far. Yeah, and there's language throughout. Um, she eventually puts enough holes in the ceiling for the entire ceiling to come down. An entire rat colony is revealed, and it oh. becomes time for a weapon that covers a greater area. The old lady puts on a gas mask, gets some sort of gas sprayer, and Remy just barely makes it out alive. The scene of the woman donning the gas mask while wearing a pink nightgown is a good cap to a scene full of slapstick comedy. That's quite a tale. <laughs> <laughs> and David's number one. My number one pick very briefly shows gas masks. Nevertheless, it is my favorite scene that includes a gas mask. And 28 weeks later, Jeremy Renner, Roseburn, and the two kids are trying to escape from the infected in the gas that is billowing down the street. They find a deserted car, but they can't get it to start. Renner gets out to push the car as soldiers with gas masks and flamethrowers approach. Burn gets the car started just in time, but Renner's burned a lot. I think well, no, no she, uh, yeah, like, she, they need to jumpstart it. Like, he has to get out and push it so she can jumpstart it. Um, right. Uh, like, he, and he sacrifices himself. Um, it's a fantastic hey, scene. Uh, and yeah, so they have, again, they have those scary soldiers with flamethrowers and gas masks. Uh, I thought he was going to say, because that's part of the problem, too, is that Renner doesn't have a gas mask. Like, he puts the, uh, the, the, the nerve gas is coming around him, and he has to put up, like, his scarf around his mouth and right, kind of breathe right. through that while he's pushing the car. Uh, and then he's scarier, Now I feel bad for Jeremy Renner in 28 Weeks Later. Thanks, David Henderson. Ugh, yeah. Poor guy. Good job, David. I Didn't feel that. bad to him for until now. 
Yeah, when you brought up Ratatouille, I was like, whatever, David Henderson. But now he's bumming me out thinking about poor Jeremy Renner getting burned to death saving those kids. And Rose Byrne, so she could be in Neighbors. Uh, I do like that he bookends with 28 days on yeah. either side. Yeah. Or 28 on either side. So anyway, he says, thank you so much for reading. Your podcast is the best. Thanks, David. Hey, I hope there's a few more of these. <laughs> there is a few more. Uh, next, we have Arthur Giovanangeli. It is number three, Three Kings. Spike oh. Jones oh. drives a Humvee into a mine whilst <laughs> looking for his gas mask. <laughs> Does he blow up? Uh, after the wreck, George Clooney realizes the gas is not fatal and gives his mask to a young girl. This simple action hints at the choice that Clooney will make for the movie. Uh, number two... By the way, I haven't seen that in forever. Who's the last of us to, to have seen Three Kings? Who's the last of us to play The Last of Us? Uh, very well done. No. Oh, wrong I answer. Think I, I've probably seen it before you guys. Okay. I want Wait, to see that again. Who, who last saw Three Kings? I really want to see that again. I own it. I haven't watched it in forever. Now that David O. Russell is being like Mr. Mainstream, Silver Linings Playbook, the yeah. fighter dude, I like, you know, I want to go back and see some of his earlier stuff. Not any that, um, that, uh, what's that? Not Hudsucker Proxy. What's that terrible one? Uh, spanking. No, not the spanking one. Flirting with disaster, I like. No, it's the one with I, I Heart Huckabees. Yeah, I'm, no, I'm not going to uh, see that, but eh. I do want to go back and see Three Kings. What about Spanking the Monkey? That's a good nope, one. don't need to see Jeremy what? Davies. Jeremy Davies is too freaky since Lost. He's just a weird guy from Lost too. <laughs> He's weird in that to you, but not weird in Spanking the Monkey. He is weird in Spanking the Monkey. But oh, I see. But Lost is tainted. Uh, did you like him in Solaris? God, Jeremy Davies is in Solaris. I haven't seen that in forever. You're talking about the, uh, the yeah. Steven Soderbergh one or the Tarkovsky one? Uh, the one that he's in, which I thought would be applied. Uh, <laughs> but also he was really good as uh, E.T.'s friend in E.T. Uh, Dingus, I remember Mark Wahlberg not wanting to take off his shirt. Or wait, what was it? Like He's got a, a scene where he's shirtless. And I think in the director's commentary, David O. Russell says something about, yeah, Wahlberg didn't want to take off his shirt because he thought we were just objectifying him. Uh, and I had to talk him into it. What a bitch. Jeez, <laughs> <Really? laughs> man up, Marky Mark. <laughs> Why can't you be Clooney for me? Uh, that's the end of that. All right. Russian. All right. So next for Arthur Giovanangeli, uh, number two, Avatar. What? There's no gas in that movie, except what I exhumed in my irritation. What's great is that Arthur says, pause for disapproval. Okay. Done. Done and done. <laughs> now back here, to the letter. <laughs> here at the end, Zoe Saldana has to place a gas mask on the dying Sam Worthington. <gasps> yeah. Wait a minute. That's gas. not a gas mask. Gas, gas masks. It's a green. Gas masks get a lot of screen time in Avatar. And I like the sleek, futuristic, and practical design that they have in this movie. Hmm. Doesn't like any gas cloud count as a mask because it's obscuring your view? Here we go. So is a like if you fart in somebody's face, is that a gas mask? Yeah. So that's why that those were that was such a popular method in World War One. Oh, that's right. Yeah. All right, so number one for Arthur Giovanni Uh Batman Begins. While it does not look like a traditional gas mask, Killian Murphy's Scarecrow mask 
successfully shields him from his own fear toxin. What? There must be some, yeah, there must be some apparatus underneath the burlap that filters the air that the wearer breathes, effectively making it a gas mask. It is most functional, functional, not functional, sorry, and, and, functional. And, and frightening, not fucking. Uh, <laughs> That's from Heine, your highness. Favorite. The, the perfect accessory <laughs> for any super villain. Does, does, does mask count? I'm guessing no. Oh, it totally is. No, it do- it's delivering ah, through- shit. No, it's delivering I- the serum to him to make him super strong. It's not a gas mask. Bane can breathe the air, please. Oh, no, it's giving him gas because when Batman takes the plugs out, gas comes out, not, uh. Oh, wait. Every time I've fought Bane in like a video yeah. game, there, there's like green stuff being pumped into him. That's boogers. Take control. No gas mask. Was that an Adam Sandler or a Bane? <laughs> I don't know. Why did you take control of this? Uh, All right. So next we have Dave Perkins. Gas masks! Exclamation point. Yeah. I I just watched Monsters. Uh, thank. Mm to your recommendation in the Godzilla podcast and loved it as much as you did. If I have to pick one gas mask scene, I'd choose the one where Calder picks the mask off of the dead man in the back of the pickup truck and then shakes it. What is he shaking from the mask? Germs? Death? Spalooch? Thanks, Dave. Um, All I know is that I would shake it off, too. But if I may broaden the scope of my choice and say that I love the use of gas masks in the movie as a whole... Then I will point out the scene in which Calder asks the children to wear the masks. Dave, we're on the same page. Good job. Uh, Which makes them look alien as all gas masks do to humans. And if the final scene in the movie is anything to say about what aliens have in common with humans, then I posit that the children in gas mask scenes was absolutely critical. Thank you, Dave. I'm so happy you watched it because that's why I chose the topic. Uh, this is my only choice because the only movie I can think of in which Gas Max played such a thematic role. But I'll keep thinking and I'll enjoy listening to everyone else's choices. Dave, dude, hey, uh, he really mustered interest in this topic. Uh, I wish we were doing scrotal injuries right now. <laughs> All right, we have Paul Weimer. Hi guys, my favorite uses of gas masks in film number three in Resident Evil. We are introduced to the minions of Umbrella Corporation as they break into the home of Alice, wearing their special forces types uniforms complete with gas, black gas masks. Their facelessness accentuates the terror of their first appearance, and it is a look they repeat throughout the franchise. Don't, by the way, TIE fighter pilots wear gas masks? Yeah. Right. Only Vader's buddies, though. The right, rest, right, the elite the ones. go commando, if you know what I'm okay. saying. All right. And number two, Cronin. Am I saying that right? Is it Cronin? Is it Cronin? Cronin from the movie Hellboy is dressed in a Nazi uniform, all in black, complete with a metallic gas mask. The gas mask makes an already creepy character, and fittingly giving its nature, makes him look even more inhuman. And when you say Cronin, my Tim, my. My tendency is to finish it as Cronenberg. That's what I thought you were doing. Well, it's spelled K-R-O-E-N-E-N, so I don't know if it's Cronin or Cronin. It's probably so, yeah, you got to go like Cronin. you got to do it like that, Dingus. Excellent. Ah, like Chiffon. Chiffon. 
Kühnen. Spahn Kühnen X-Men. Uh, and Paul's number one, the opening credits of Richard III memorably show a man in a gas mask kill the King of England. What? The viewer is thus introduced when the mask is removed as the name of the movie is revealed to the one and only Ian McKellen as the title character. Thanks for the podcast, Paul Weaver. Mm. Kelly One, could you give us some more of your Ian McKellen impression? I miss it. I was in the war. Young child actor. That's uh, him in um, the. Uh, that thing where Ed, Edward Furlong. Uh, yeah, like that's studies Nazism under him. Brad Renfro. That's apt oh, damn, Brad Renfro, Edward Furlong. How could I confuse that? It's a Brian Singer movie, though, isn't it? This yeah. town calls him Bren Renfro. <laughs> At least you don't hear me screwing up Bay Ling's name. Good point. Why can't you be happy for me? I don't know. All right, so Nick D is next. Uh, number three, Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind. In this, my favorite Miyazaki movie, everyone wears a gas mask when venturing into the poisoned areas of the world in which they live. I love the way the masks look. Kind of cute, but also strange and alien. So I, I giggled during that because uh, I was... Um, yeah, I, I do substitute teaching at at uh, at a at, at a middle school, and uh, in an eighth grade class that I was substitute teaching, some of the kids were working, and kind of at the little nerd table, the, the girls are like talking, and they said, "In my sister's class, they're watching movies about environmentalism, and they were watching Nausicaa," and all the girls at the table were like, "No way!" and and, this, and then she said, and my sister's friends were like, this movie is so dumb. And the other girls were like, oh, God, they're so stupid, those kids. And I don't know anything about Nausicaa, but I just love that it showed up here and that I heard eighth graders talking about how great it is. And how stupid other kids are. Yeah. Which I remember it was all we, me and other kids talked about, too. Uh, so Nick D's number two is Terminator 2. As John and Sarah are escaping from the Cyberdyne building, the police shoot tear gas. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They only That's have one place. gas mask, which they have to share. I love the way the mask still lets us see the actors' faces and the way Sarah protects John as her very first instinct. And Arnie doesn't need one because he's a robot. No, he does not. <laughs> oh. And Nick D's number one is Take Shelter. I'm sure everyone has picked it already. No, only Tom. Uh, but I love the scene where Curtis goes to buy a gas mask for his family and ask a, asks for a child sizes. Uh, it's a great human moment, and I love the way he stares at the adult mask after buying it and shakes his head disgustedly. Yeah, when he gets out to the car with it. It's, uh, yeah, there's yeah. the, you know, Mike, uh, Mike Nichols, Jeff Nichols knows to shoot this scene where he's realized what he's done and he looks at it and throws it in the backseat. Yeah. Right. Uh, and finally we have Josh. Um, interrogations and now gas masks, Dingus. Your kinks arouse and alarm me. Aha! See? I told you there's some other people know there's weird gas mattis, gas mask fetishists out there. Uh, Besides it's actual things. <laughs> yeah. It's rub- well, it's got rubber in it. It's made of I, rubber. I should read these before we go on the air. 
<laughs> anyway, uh, your your kinks arouse and alarm me. I'm currently typing this with just my left hand. All right, Josh. Thanks. For kinks. Uh, number three, 28 Days Later, 2002. The scene where Killian Murphy's gym is rescued by the first encounter with infected by two WTO protesters and a gas mask. <laughs> Noah Huntley delivers a giraffe in a bar joke directly into Murphy's stunned face. Great scene. Between giraffe. it and his <laughs> giraffe in a bar. Uh, between it and his later story about surviving an infection-stricken mob, Huntley makes most of a pretty small role. Apparently, this guy was the king in Snow White and the Huntsman. Oh, what? Really? Oh, your favorite. Oh. Thanks, Josh. Yeah. He didn't uh, get hacked to death in that movie. Well, yeah. Good times. Unlike... Uh... The stag. The um, so Josh is number two is Gods and Monsters from 1998. Ian McKellen's second pervious role, his portrayal of OG Frankenstein director James Whale has McKellen in the climactic scene strapping a World War One gas mask onto Encino Man. And <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> And then That's how it was. And then attempting to molest him. <laughs> oh, see? There you go. Gas mask. Yeah, fetish. fetish. <laughs> and Cino Man's all, you shall not pass, and Whale decides to commit suicide rather than live with being turned down by the future Dudley do right Brendan Fraser. <laughs> Canadian! Uh, uh, was a, that... That's a really it? tough cold read, Josh. Thanks. <laughs> tough cold who directed that? That wasn't Brian Singer. Bill Condon? Was that Bill Condon? Yeah, it's, it's the uh, movie. Is it Bill Con- Yeah, it's Bill Condon. The uh, Gods and Monsters, the thing about... Uh, oh. I wanted yeah, to say Bill Frank Whaley. James Whaley. Yeah, yeah. But that's, James that's, Whaley, Frank Whale. That's the guy right. who did, yeah. And so uh, Josh's number one is House of 1,000 Corpses from 2003. Oh, God, I hate this movie. In the scene where whatever girl is escaping comes across Dr. Satan in the haunted house ride that's under oh, yeah. zombie's wife's house. Dr. Satan is wearing what appears to be some kind of evil medical gas mask. Also, the less scary Jason-style axe guy who comes in right after that is also wearing a more conventional gas mask. Have you guys ever seen Dingus and Rob Zombie in the same room? Just curious. <laughs> <laughs> Movie trivia. Walter Phelan, who played Dr. Satan, apparently specializes in monster roles. His IMDb lists are roles like Worm Eyes Zombie slash Jaw Zombie Ghoul Brother number two, a couple of aliens, a couple of creatures, a gin, a Wendigo, and a chap named Johnny Thing. But guess wow. what? His most recent role is 2014, quote, Alien Abduction, which sounds maybe like a remake of that thing Tom Chick was calling the first found footage movie. It's not. It is not. It is its own thing. It's terrible. Uh, but he's in that. What is it? Does, does he say what he plays in that, Dingus? No. That, okay. That's the end of the long string of words I had to read with hyphens. Thanks, Josh. <laughs> um, my runner-up is all those nose plug things in Lynch's Dune. I think they're for saving the water from Kyle MacLachlan's nose breathe. Not gas masks. So his body can use it again. It's called a still suit. It's called a still suit. It's part of a still suit. Yes. Please. Yeah. Well, still Uh, guard. I'm going to go ahead and call that a gas mask. You can't call that a gas mask. You can't. Yeah, we won't accept it. Uh, So, Kelly Wand, you probably like House of of a Thousand Corpses, but do you agree with me that the only – 
Well, uh, the, I think the only non-horrible Rob Zombie horror movie is Devil's Rejects. And I think that Devil's Rejects has a kind of subversive genius to it. And he yeah. accidentally made a great horror movie only once, only Devil's Rejects. The rest of his stuff is utter crap. Well, House of Thousand Corpses is better than the Halloween shit. Uh, I'll grant you that, but the Halloween stuff is just so terrible. Yeah, it's something shit. too recently with, with his wife. He puts Sherry Moon zombie, or he puts that chick in all these movies. Still? He put her in something where she's like a Salem witch trial witch. Oh, I forgot what it was called. But anyway, it's all about like witches. Uh, yeah. It's all about her, and she's like this super hip, like late night radio talk show host, um, who somehow gets haunted by a Salem witch trial witch. Um, it even has Ken Forey in it, I think. Uh, but yeah, I think Rob Zombie's terrible, except for Devil's Rejects, which is accidentally brilliant. You didn't like House of Thousand Corpses, Sherry Moon and that? Where nope. she's... I don't, I, I, a lot of these just sort of like slasher killer movies, I think most of them are just crap. Uh... Aren't sharks, like if they got bitten by zombies, it wouldn't change them at all? There is a zombie fighting a shark scene in an Italian zombie movie called, don't know what it it's wins. called. No, there's there's definitely one of those crappy Italian zombie movies from the 70s where they they put a dude in zombie makeup in a pool with an actual shark. They had this dude underwater there with it's not a giant, it's not a big shark, but he he like wrestles some poor hapless shark in a swimming pool and they dump a lot of blood in there. But it's a zombie versus shark battle. It's terrible. And then who that wins? Uh, the zombie does. He, he beats oh. the shark basically, and um, and eats its brain. If M Night Shyamalan had made Terminator. Go on. Terminators would have been... <laughs> Go on. on. I'm ready. I got this. Terminators would have been slain by water. Like the aliens and signs. By Joaquin Phoenix, and whose dead brother is telling him to swing away. Yeah, a ghost. Yeah, a dead person would have told them to use water on this Terminator. Alright. So that's how signs... Uh, Diggis was Josh's the last email. Josh is the last email. All right, what runners-up do you guys have for gas mask scenes? Um, uh, that one in the Beyond? No, the Divide. Oh, right, the thing where uh, poor Patricia Ar- Arquette gets savaged by Michael Eckler. Oh, you know what? I just thought of the best one. Rosanna Arquette. By the way, I just pulled a dingus and I uh-huh. used my Arquettes. What's the best one, Kelly Wand? As your runner-up, the best gas mask scene <laughs> I'm really time. bummed. This should be all our number one. Alright, give it to us. I, this is what sucks about 3x3s. Or rather, Phase 7, this is not a gas mask. It was a hazmat uh, suit. What? Those count. Is that what you were going to get say? Yeah. Phase 7, really? Yeah. Not a gas mask. It's a what? hazmat suit. That's the best scene. That's Dingus, so get in here. Explain, the the, explain to Kelly Wand. At this point, I cannot. Okay. No, there's great scenes. I there's think great there's charcoal scenes. in there. <laughs> there's great scenes of that guy dealing with his hazmat suit. I forget. What was his name in the movie? Tom. Oh, my God. What is his name? He has a great name. Yeah, he has some ridiculous, awesome name. But, yeah, there's great scenes like where he's... fuzzy or something. It's yeah, terrible he's, name. he's grooving on his new hazmat suit with the light in it and stuff, but not a gas mask. Uh, and the hand gestures, that. it's so funny. And so yeah, Phase 7, I know. More people should see Phase 7. Did those guys who walked out, was that after that or before it? Did they miss that part, too? Uh, I'm pretty sure it was after. What Kelly Wand is referring to is when we saw this movie called Phase 7... Uh, nobody was there, and furthermore, some people left. And then they left right before. Oh the God, his name was Coco. What? <laughs> <laughs> what was her name? Uh, Pee-Pee. Pee-Pee and Coco. 
Yeah, it's adorable. I love uh, Phase 7 all over again. Yeah. <laughs> uh, although if you look at this, it, yeah, it definitely it has those um, respirator things, like those maybe charcoal filters on the side. So I don't know. Maybe that is a – no, you know what? No, Kelly, it's not a mask. It's a hood. Yes. What about a diving bell suit? Diving bell and the butterfly. I don't know. Nobody uses those anymore. What about a space suit? Uh, I'm sorry to say the guy who did Phase 7, the director, he's doing some uh, some TV Romantic show. Thing. No, uh, some TV show, which I presume is in... TV show's good. Yeah, but it's not here. We can't see it here. Uh, why not? Because we're Americans? Well, because it's probably in Argentina. Like, it's... Yeah. It's... I've noticed that we're really the third world. Like, you can't... Anything better comes from somewhere else now. And, like, those Mexican Cokes that have the real good sugar in it. Like, Mexico's got better Cokes than we do. What the fuck's going on? You have to go everywhere for somewhere else. Wait. You have to go everywhere for somewhere else. You have to go everywhere for somewhere else. Wow. <laughs> Kelly, speaking of going everywhere for somewhere else, what is next week's 3 by 3 Um, Segway King. It's... Three best scenes where video games kill people. What? That's a it's probably three of them in the history of all movies. You're gonna make Dingus watch that that video game movie that I told yes. you guys about. <laughs> That's what this is about, huh? Three mm. best games where video games kill people. No, it's scenes. Scenes, three good games. Three best scenes where video games kill people. Yeah. That are of personal relevance to you and uh, your, your, your upbringing. <laughs> no, I was doing it for you. It was like a birthday present. Three best scenes where video games Because you people. like video game movies, and you mentioned a good one last week off the podcast, and I went, oh, Tom will enjoy this. So can, do you know that if there are two other scenes where video games kill people besides that one? Well, I think in Tron... I don't even Hold know on. anything you guys are saying. It's like it's like blah blah blah. It's, it's a talking, talking, talking. So try. It's so like Ingus. I'm listening to a television show that was made in Argentina. All right, how about last week? This, we uh, I told Dingus about a movie starring Clea Duvall, where she plays someone who goes to work for a video game designer, and the video game basically comes alive and possesses the motion capture equipment and whatnot, and the video game murders all the game developers. Um, and Kelly Wong decided he wanted to see this, this movie. I haven't seen it yet, but this will get me off my ass to see it. It's not called Stay Alive. That's something else. What is it called? Yeah. Saturday Night. Saturday Night. Because I told you, it's the guy who did Swimming with Sharks. He does this, this really cool movie. He wrote it and directed it with Kevin Spacey and Frank Whiteley. And then his next project in Hollywood is this terrible movie about video games killing people. I want to say his name is like George something. Uh, All right, how about this? Tell me. Oh, yes, give us another choice. Yeah, do we have a runner-up option? Three best scenes where games kill people. (laughs) No? No, it's up up to you. Yeah. Okay, wait, tell me whatever you want. You could say three best scenes where... (laughs) Just three best scenes. A a gecko shows up and then says something. I mean, you can do whatever you want. Three Uh, best scenes That's obviously Dave. Um, so real quick, the movie that Kelly Wand is referencing is called How to Make a Monster, directed by George Huang. I've seen it. Kelly Wand hasn't. Um, and Clea Duvall is the lead actress in it. The lovely and talented Clea Duvall, who we all know from Argo, who was super hot in Argo, is, uh, in How to Kill a Monster. Or Ghosts of Mars. She She is. I've never seen that, though. She's in in the faculty as well. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Can we call her a a scream queen? 
she doesn't scream in the movies. She's just hanging out. Do you want to run her up? Because I'm starting to feel bad. No, sorry. Yeah, I, I, I derailed this. So it can be whatever you want it to be. Kelly Wan, you are in charge. Not to say that we will, you know, we might break your topic. If you give us a topic that is so brittle it won't bend, maybe we'll break it. Just yeah, let you know. But do you hate it? Like, is this just a waste of time? Kelly Wan, I love anything you want us to talk about. No, you don't. That's not true. I did. I was saying that to make you feel better. Did it work? Okay, tell me if we've done this one. <laughs> did it work? All right. We did, uh, okay, three vests. <laughs> I think we should have to stick with this. I think we should, we should have to do yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. When that's Kelly what, throws that's what something, he said. Yeah, when Kelly Wan throws something down, we'll pick it up. Yeah, that's right. I want to hear you say the topic. Three best scenes where video games kill people. <laughs> I don't know why that's funny to me. I'm glad you enjoyed that. It. Good. I think is you're the most serious of the three of us. <laughs> well, maybe I can have I'll, sort of a. No. I'll, I'll, I'll provide some sort of exegesis about the significance of it. But and I can it can be killing people in on the inside. That's ah. right. I've already got my number one. Let's keep moving. All right. And unlike Tom, who's like, you have to know everything Kim Cattrall says to ask questions. Duh. You know how he talks. <laughs> God, if you're going to run lines with me, you got to run the, re- the right lines. <laughs> when did that become a rule? That's not how they do it in movies. <laughs> um, wait, I forgot my point. <laughs> well, that's, I think we've got enough information. So, oh, no, I was going to say, oh, you, yes. could, you have any questions? Oh, yeah, and you don't have any questions, you're saying. How could, um, we, how could we possibly have yeah. questions? Do you know? Do you need to know what a video game is? No, I don't need to know what an escalator death. is. I don't need to know anything. Oh, it can I, be one. I person. assure you, I do not need to know anything. All right, so this, listeners, also, you don't need to know anything else. You now have the topic for next week's three by three. What is it again? It's three best scenes, and for the listeners, it can be as few as one, as many as three. If you want to go crazy. You can even give us four. Give yeah. us your best scenes where video games kill people. Send them <laughs> in to 3 by 3 at quarter2three.com. That is the number three, the letter X, the number three, at sign, and you spell out quarter2three.com. Uh, we'll sure read them on the air. We haven't done this topic before? Uh, I don't know. We have a list of the topics we've done. Yeah, TLDR. I don't no, think we did we did movies where video games kill people, but we haven't done scenes. So That's don't. true. Yeah. We've done ones where three best scenes where video games kill lots of people, mm. but we haven't done three of them. So next week, Maleficent opens. Ugh. <laughs> what was the other thing that opened? There was something else that opened. Ugh, the movie. <laughs> but we're not going to see Maleficent. That's for kids. Yeah. Adults. I don't wanna... uh, we're discriminating adults. We've we watched a superhero movie this week that we, we feel we've done our job. No more superhero oh, movies. Million, million ways to die in the West. Also, oh, that's right, a Seth MacFarlane comedy where in which he is so enamored of himself that he's going to be the lead actor and the director. Oh, huh, that opens too. Although I really do, I I think Charlize Theron can be so funny. I want to kind of see. Her. see it. it looks. I don't want to go to a theater and see. Yeah, it. yeah. Okay, so here's the deal. We're not going to see that. What well, we're going to do? just makes me think of her. How great she was in um, Snow White. So. Who? Uh, Kristen Stewart, your favorite actress. <laughs> yep. Uh, Kristen Stewart. Isn't Maleficent though? It's it's like Angelina Jolie playing the Wicked Witch or something. Is that it is? Called? But uh, every time I see her in that, I just think of Charlize, Charlize Theron right, right. in Snow White. 
And then Tom, like, um, oh, I like that so much. She's so yep, good. Yep. Tom, remember when I asked Stephanie Meyer to sign an Anne Rice novel? <laughs> I'm sure that was exciting. That's great, Kelly Wand. It's awesome of you to do that and to support her career. If you really want to support Stephanie Meyer's career, uh, why don't you see Saoirse Ronan in The Host like I did? Breaking Dawn 2's on every five seconds on HBO now. <laughs> Uh, so the next week, what we are going to watch. So this is one of these things where we've got something in our back pocket. Uh, I saw this movie a while ago, and I really liked it. Dingus has since seen it. I can't wait to hear what Kelly Wan has to say about this. Um, there's a couple of movies out now where, uh, you know, I don't know, we'll save this for next week. But uh, there's a movie called Enemy that's directed by, I'm going to butcher this, Dennis... It's not Villanueva. It's like Villanueva. It's a, he's a he's a Canadian director. He did a movie called Prisoners, which I really hated. Yes. A lot of people liked Prisoners, but he also Prisoners did very well. Kelly Wand. Hmm. Um, he also did a movie, and I don't know if this was concurrent with Prisoners, if it like sat on a shelf at some point. But he did another movie called Enemy, uh, which I saw and found really intriguing. Um, I can't wait to hear what these guys think about it. I haven't talked to them about it. But so next week we're going to take a movie called Enemy and do it for the podcast. It's available on video on demand so you don't have to go out to a theater. You can watch it in the comfort of your own home. Uh, and join us as we talk about it and <laughs> as we listen to Kelly Wand try to make sense of it, which I can't wait to hear. So that's next week's podcast and we will follow that with our 3 by 3 of best scenes where video games kill people. I am Tom Chick. I have been joined by Christian Milinski. It's Christian Morosky. And Kelly Wand. Uh, in our moment of triumph. Cool, Let's talk about my condition.